This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 87, Comic Reviews for the week of June 12th. Welcome once again to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode number 87. We're looking at the uh, comic reviews for the week of June 12th. I am your host, Adam Chapman, and thanks once again for joining us for one of the uh, reviews episodes. Uh, We have a special uh, guest joining us today. Um, Basically, first, I'm just doing a bunch of reviews uh, to start the episode, and then there'll be a discussion on seven particular titles that I'll be discussing with my special guest, who is... uh, Previously, uh, has been a commenter and listener on the show, listener to the show before. He's uh, known on HC Realms as Age of Butters. His name is AJ Reese. Uh, he's joined me on the later half of the episode, so I'm just going to talk about um, a bunch of the titles that came out this week, and then we'll segue. I'll, I've already recorded that segment, but then I'll have the segment where um, we bring in AJ. And now that segment is about two hours long, or a little bit less. Uh, where we talk about seven books, so this is a longer reviews cast than normal. Uh, hopefully, an enjoyable one. Hopefully, an entertaining one. Uh, as I record this, I uh, I'm actually uh, in the process. This is technical, but I'm in the process of uh, creating and exporting files so that I can edit uh, or at least tweak a little bit um, the discussion that I had with AJ. Hopefully, as I speak, I'm hoping that it worked out well in terms of the audio feed, so that it will be usable. Uh, if it isn't. Well, then I will, you'll, you, after I do all the reviews, I'll come back and say, whoops, made a mistake, and I will do the reviews of those seven again. So hopefully that didn't happen. Hopefully it was a very smooth uh, audio feed, and let's hope to God that happened. Um, so just jumping into uh, this week's books, uh, let's see, first of all, we have, uh, let's see, Astonishing X-Men number 63. Um, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit bullet uh, bullet time esque with the rest of the issues that came out this week. As I said, I've just done a two hour podcast talking about seven particular books, so I'm going to be doing a little bit more lightning round on the ones that weren't covered there. Um, so we have so let's just take a look here. So we've got Astonishing X Men number sixty three. Uh, I gave this a five out of ten. I think I was more interested in it after last issue. Uh, last issue. Kind of made me feel like maybe they're heading in an interesting direction uh, in terms of having uh, Sam, uh, not Sam Man, Iceman and his previous girlfriends and exploring the idea of his past history, which I thought was really interesting. Um, this issue, though, it just felt, I don't know, it, like it lost its way. Um, it didn't really have a purpose. I'm surprised this book is still being published in some ways. No offense to Marjorie Lou, I just don't know what purpose this book really captures anymore. Uh, so it's written by Marjorie Lou, artwork by. Um, uh, let's say Walta. Uh, it's not the greatest artwork. Um, let's say it's by sorry Gabriel Hernandez Walta. Uh, it's got a very kind of weird, light, uh, sketchy feel. At times, I thought it worked quite well, but at other times, I felt it was very inconsistent. Um, at times, almost Philip Noto esque though, which is is a compliment. Um, kind of a weird, creepy story. What's been really been going on with uh, Iceman? Uh, there's these ice duplicates basically being constructed that kind of reminded me of multiple man um i don't know this just wasn't quite nearly as strong as the previous issue had been in terms of setting up this conflict uh, and i gave it a five out of ten i wasn't all that interested and i'm counting the days till this book gets canceled because really how much longer could it possibly have uh next up is avengers assemble number 16 really did care for this i'm not a big fan of the whole captain marvel event going on right now um and this kind of book gets it's embroiled in it, so it's called uh, The Enemy Within, Part 205. It's written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, who 
sometimes I like, sometimes I don't. Uh, it's kind of a little all over the place. Uh, the artwork is by Matteo Bufagni. Uh, I did feel like there was a little bit more of a concrete story element here where it was less about the weird stuff that Cat Marvel's been going through and more you have kind of this greatest hits of her villains. you got the brood attacking. You have this character who becomes the Magnetron at the end, which I actually thought was interesting. Um, that being said, the two idiots who work at uh, S.W.O.R.D. who happen to deal with Abigail Brand, they're not all that interesting. Um, I don't know. It, it, it was very forgettable. It wasn't the strongest issue. This book has been much better than this. Um, it's just kind of petering out, and it doesn't seem to like it has a really solid sense of identity in terms of, like, when it first started, this book was about, this is the only spot where you can really read the Avengers movie characters in comic book form acting as Avengers. And that's what kind of made it interesting. But without that, it's really flailing and I haven't been digging it. So I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. It's, and you're going to sense that that's a theme this week, that there's not a lot of books I really liked. Um, next up is Manhattan Projects number 12. Um, I really dug this. It's not the strongest issue. Uh, I felt it kind of undermined some of the power of the previous issue, but at the same time also gave it a little bit more power. I was interested to see how this would go because, I mean, obviously, Enrico Fermi, is uh, his face is kind of the same shape as the icon on the cover here, and I really liked his and Harry Dalian's uh, friendship and was interested to see how that would end up being developed. And here it ends pretty fast because it's time for Fermi to go bad. This drone, basically, he's a he's a hostile drone, and here he finally becomes what he always has been. And instead of being in more human form, he attacks Herodalian, and it looks like Herodalian's destroyed, but he's out, he ends up coming back. He goes on a bad tear. Um, we see a little bit of a a past history of what's happened with this character in terms of when Fermi was first uh, you know taken out and replaced. Uh, going back to the beginning of the projects, how Fermi was brought in, um, it and we got to see a few scenes that have already happened in the book, and the, but through a different lens. Um, it's kind of disappointing in some ways because I really liked the friendship that between Dalian and uh, and the character. That being said, it definitely puts things in a different light. And although Fermi, when he gets roasted by Dalian, Dalian kind of ends up being almost more like a, a superhero than ever before. Um, there is an interesting shot, and I'd have to go back and look at it again in the original, but when they're in space, you have a lot of these characters are all, all colored blue, except for uh, Fermi, who's uh, colored red. And it's interesting that that is the way that this goes. And then you have uh, the the character that he's basically working for is also in red, so everyone else is blue. Just an interesting uh, perspective on and how that works. Um, at the end... Um, very, it's very dark because you know they they end up basically destroying uh, the character. Although one of the greatest panels I've ever seen is Albert Einstein with a chainsaw, and on the end of the chainsaw it says E equals M C squared. It is fantastic uh, and brutal, and uh, because of uh, him kind of taking taking out uh, Fermi's body, like he, he's what brings it to a close. It's a good issue, not the strongest. Uh, but I still dug it quite a lot. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Nick Pitara on artwork and um, uh, Jonathan Hickman writing. It was very good. Next up is Nightwing number 21. Not a huge fan of this. Um, 
I don't know. Part of the problem is that it's Brett Booth. I don't like Brett Booth as an artist all that much, and I miss anyone else. Uh, his take on on the on like on the way Nightwing looks and his face, and even the the details on the costume that don't quite work for me. Higgins is still doing a good job with the with the writing. I'm just not really sure about the rest. Um, I did like how it started with though with like you know this vigilante who'd given up the life and then he gets murdered. It's really harrowing and very upsetting because you you quickly start to like this character. Uh, also, we get to see more of Prankster here, and I like how him and uh, Nightwing basically had to kind of team up a little in order to get out and away from uh, police. That was kind of interesting. Um, I, I mean, it wasn't a bad issue in terms of the, the writing. I mean, the, the artwork is where it, it uh, lets down a little, but otherwise, I actually thought it was pretty good issue and also on the on the trail of zuko seeing finding out more about the zuko character um although having nightwing kind of waiting for prankster to do stuff on the computer just seemed odd and just made it more apparent that they need oracle back really badly um but yeah no i i I enjoyed this i mean it had some issues it wasn't perfect the artwork again was one of them um but we'll have to see where they go from here and i like that prankster uh, it does escape, and we'll see what they do with Prankster next. So I gave this uh, 7 out of 10, because it wasn't that bad. And I, I'm, I know that doesn't sound like a, you know, whoop de doo it's not that bad. But, you know, it, it was not a bad book. I mean, again, I wish the artist was different, but otherwise it's fine. Um, then we have Savage Wolverine. Um, last issue was not that good. It was kind of a mess. But this is issue number 6. We have a new creative team. Uh, we have Zeb Wells and Joe Maduera. Uh, which is a much better team than Frank Cho on Frank Cho because uh, his he just does one thing over and over again, and that's scantily clad women uh, with uh, large breasts. And here instead we have someone also doing characters with large breasts, but in a little bit more of a cartoony manga style. What I liked about this book is that this felt Joe like Joe Mad being a little bit more like the Joe Mad I remember back when I first started reading his stuff in the late nineties. I really liked how Wolverine was was illustrated. I liked him teaming up with Elektra and with uh, Spider-Man. That was kind of interesting, too. Uh, Then the idea of of, uh, Kingpin being involved and Bullseye. It did make me wonder, though, like, where does this take place? I I think I read an article about this before, so I really shouldn't even make a complaint about it. But, I mean, Bullseye... I, I really liked what they were doing with Bullseye in the Daredevil book. And then seeing him here... I have a bit of a problem with it. I don't know. I it doesn't feel like it's going to be as smartly written or as interesting, and so I I reg- I'm sad and a little fearful for what they're going to do with the character here. But the artwork's pretty good. It's it's a solid read. It's not the greatest thing I've ever read, and it doesn't have the best art, but I still gave it a solid seven. Uh, brings us up to Suicide Squad twenty one. So Suicide Squad twenty one is. Very entertaining. I like the news where they're taking this book, uh, although I don't like the cover art at all for Harley Quinn. Uh, the series is written by Alice Cott and artwork by Patrick Zerker, who I've always liked. Um, you see, there's a lot of things going here. Harley kind of taking over uh, and capturing Amanda Waller, and you also have the Unknown Soldier fighting uh, Deadshot. You've got. Um, uh, Gordon's kid there as well, and I really like how he's being written here. And uh, no, I, I I dug this, and and just seeing the ish, these spots where uh, Gordon has a gun trained at uh, Harley Quinn's head, and she's about to kill Amanda Waller, like it's really strong stuff. And I'm excited to see where they go with this. And uh, yeah, this book is really interesting. 
And the the last page I found funny just because having Cheetah standing there with a gat like a machine gun or like a Gatling gun just this is an odd choice, but it's interesting. I I dug it. Uh, it's got a fast paced kind of story. Uh, I think Cot was the right kind of writer. It just it pops. Um, from a writing perspective, I, I found I was really engaged. I'm really enjoying the artwork. Again, I've always been a fan of Patrick Zerker since I first started reading some of his stuff, I believe, in the mid to late 90s. Um, this was solid. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Thor God of Thunder number 9. I really wasn't sure how I'd feel about this, but I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10. It was just felt like a really solid read. It was very entertaining. Jason Aaron and Asada Ribic kind of riffing and doing their own thing. I like... Having all these Thors working together, they have interesting interactions together. I'm still not a huge fan of gore, but I do like the interactions of Thors alone is really interesting, and Rivik's artwork is spectacular here. Um, This was just a really fun read, seeing how the different Thors all operate in different manners in terms of how they fight, um, how they carry themselves, etc. I really dug this, Uh, interested to see where they go with it, and and what what next issue is going to uh, have for us? I did like the idea that you know Thor's like serpents, always another serpent. Um, this is really strong. Uh, if you have you haven't read any of it, I would almost say like it's okay to wait for the you know trade. Um, I guess two trades because I do feel like it's it's uh, it's something that's actually worthy of a hardcover because it's got gorgeous Asadarabic artwork. Uh, the story by Jason Aaron is very engaging and enjoyable, so I liked it quite a lot. Uh, next up is Uncanny X-Force number 6, which felt completely different than what we've gotten previously in Uncanny X-Force. I enjoyed this a lot more. Um, so this issue is written by Humphreys. Um, just looking at it here. And artwork by uh, Alfona, which is a very different art style for this book than what we've had previously. I like the psychic discussion between Wolverine and uh, Psylocke as she's theoretically unconscious. Or was unconscious, sorry, at first. I liked uh, the issue with Phantom X. I liked Spiral being here. Um, I just really liked this. And, and then dealing with what's been going on with Bishop as well. I enjoyed this a lot more than I ever thought I would. Um, I liked that we got to see Psylocke and Spiral really throwing down. Because those are characters with a lot of history with each other. Um, no, I dug this quite a lot. And it was entertaining. Uh, and good artwork too by Alfona, like really good. Like I thought it was much better than the Garney artwork we've been getting on the book up until now. So I gave it a, an eight out of ten. And then uh, I was gonna read Wolverine number four. I think I got about halfway through. Based on that, I would have given it about a five and a half or six. But I haven't finished reading it, so um, I'm actually just gonna beg off of it completely and not even mention it. Uh, next up is Wolverine and the X Men number thirty one. This was. Not good. Um, this was an issue where you had the uh, Hellfire Club basically showing they have their own new Hellfire Academy. I did not care at all. I found it went on too long. I found I didn't like the Mystique was running a school, like sort of working at a school like this. This is a character who at one point in time used to have ideals. Now she's just a shill. Um, and I felt very disconnected to what she's doing in her old new X-Men, which is far more interesting. This was just not enjoyable at all, in the least for me. Uh, the artwork wasn't bad, but again, the story just felt very generic. Uh, I didn't care for it. Um, yeah, it was just like, hey, look, there's this quirky new school, which is the evil opposite of what we've already got. And let's take a look at who's teaching the classes. And and the, I, it looks like they even have like red bamps as opposed to blue, uh, blue bamps. And I just didn't care. 
didn't like it. Um, Bradshaw and her work was all right, but just Jared, Jason Aaron is not giving me a reason to want to buy this book anymore. Uh, the book is extremely inconsistent, flopping between very good and very not good. Um, yeah, I gave this a six. And then World's Finest, I also gave a six. Uh, it's World's Finest number 13. I just found that I was really bored. Um, I don't care about the sod. I don't care about any of this. I don't care about what's going on with the business with uh, Star and Holt. Um, I just found this extremely boring, very tedious. Paul Levitz wrote it with artwork by Robson Roca. Um, it's great that Power Girl is back in her costume, a classic costume, I guess, but I just, I was just so bored. This book sometimes can be really interesting, but it never lasts long, or it's half the issue instead of, as opposed to the whole issue being good and entertaining. I just didn't care, and I was glad it was over. So that is the first half of our episode. So uh, I ran through those books pretty quickly, but I just, uh, it just, it was necessary because um, a lot of these books just weren't interesting or good. There's only, of all the books I just mentioned, I think a few of them were eights, but the rest were mostly sixes. Anyways, uh, strap in and get ready to enjoy two hours of discussion with A.J. Reese on Avenging Spider-Man, Batgirl, Batman, Green Lantern Corps, Guardians of the Galaxy, Superman Unchained, and Venom. So enjoy that aspect of the show, and uh, we'll see you next time. Now, actually, before I actually do hand it off to uh, my uh, my a previous version of myself and AJ. I just want to say that upcoming episodes, we have episode 88 coming out on the 19th of June, and uh, that will be the Spotlight on the Man of Steel episode, which we recorded on the 14th after watching the movie. Um, then on episode 90 will be the Spotlight on Monsters University episode. Uh, it should be myself and my wife, Kelly Chapman, talking about it. Um, from there, not really sure where the 90s have uh, episodes. I guess... Um, Sorry, what was I saying? Episode 90 will be Monsters University. So episodes 92, 94, 96 are up for grabs. So I'm not really sure what those three episodes will be about yet. Uh, episode 98 will be the Spotlight on the Wolverine episode. And then Spotlight 100 is to be determined, but I'm hoping it'll be a fun, zany episode. Hopefully I'll have a bunch of people in here. Um, actually, a point of interest, on June 14th, as I was doing the, uh, the Man of Steel podcast, um, I had... Um, Nathan Strzok and Tibor made over at my place to record the episode after we watched the movie. But prior to doing that, we had some celebratory cake because we last week we finally crossed the 10,000 downloads threshold, which when you have, you know, up till then 86 episodes, maybe not as impressive, but still exciting nonetheless that we've been able to, uh, first of all, have, as of this episode, 87 episodes and have exceeded that number. So that was exciting. So we had celebratory cake. So hopefully, uh, I'm hoping for some cake for episode 100 myself. So, anyways, thank you uh, for joining for this episode. You're hopefully really going to enjoy the next two hours. Uh, we have a lot of good discussion on the books I just mentioned uh, with AJ. And, uh, yeah, take it away, previous Adam. However, before I do uh, hand it over to my future self, uh, well, this is technically a different version of myself that I previously recorded the rest of this podcast. Um, I've j I'm just about to meld in the uh, the, di the dialogue from the two hours, and this is a work in progress. As I've mentioned before, this is our first time using Skype. So when I'm having the, and and I haven't recorded from Skype before, so uh, there's a, a fair bit of crosstalk that happens as a mechanism, and I'll explain why. It would appear, and I, I'm sure people are much more sophisticated and know more about this type of stuff. The recorder that I was using. 
uh, there's a delay so that at t- I was listening back to some of the playback and it seems okay except for there's some crosstalk where um, I would there's a de- there's a delay so that I would stop talking and then like we generally we had a good flow in terms of uh, one of us would stop talking the other one would start talking however there's a delay in the recording so at times there's some I'll start making a comment and it will appear like I'm actually uh, the comment I'm referring to, like if I start, if I start in on AJ, it, it, his comment hasn't quite finished yet. So it's a little challenging to listen to parts of it. I do apologize. It's something I'll work on in the future to perfect this because obviously um, I still have to play with the uh, the technology because I'm, I'm I'm new at skyping and trying to record from Skype. So thank you for bearing with us uh, and enjoy the uh, next two hours. All right. So joining me on the podcast is AJ. AJ, hey, great to be here. Okay, thanks for being on the show. So, uh, you're so you are on HC Realms. So, what is your tagline? I am uh, Age of Butters. Now, is there a fun backstory to that? Or there's not really a good one. I was, uh, I, I've got several uh, like uh, Xbox gamer tags and stuff like that, and a few other accounts that are set up as Age. And the backstory was everybody uh, when I was growing up called me Age because my name's AJ, and if you pronounced the A and the J, it kind of makes an age out of that. And uh, when I put age into Xbox, one of the gamer tags that came up was virtual age. And I thought, hey, you know, virtual gamer age, that makes sense. We'll go with that. And when I put virtual age in HC Realms, it came back as not available or whatever. And uh, our cat's name is Butters, after the South Park character, obviously. And so I thought, well, age of Butters. Okay, we'll just throw those together. And at the time, I didn't really have much experience in HD Realms. And I'm like, whatever, I'll just make an account so I can, you know, start a little collection or whatever. And uh, in hindsight, I probably should have put a little thought into my name, but uh, oh well. It is what it is now, so we'll go with it. It could be a lot worse. I don't know if you've heard the episodes, but uh, I was talking about mine was based on the fact that uh, Leon and I had just been talking about random things we could make clicks out of. And we used to work at this drugstore called Shopper's Drug Bart. And uh, we imagined what all the people there that we worked with, this crazy cast of characters, what powers they'd have in Heroclix. And we called it SDM for Shopper's Drug Bar. And that's my, my tag. And it's horrible. That's, still, that's a fun story. There's nothing wrong with that. It's so dumb. And even Leon's, he, he's ashamed of his name because it's uh, Jigglebilly from uh, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Absolutely. And that's Everybody a really jiggled. old reference. Um, that's a and great so, reference. Wrong when I was, we were creating his um, his account for the Whisked Event system, and he's like, "Don't put Jigglebilly," and I'm like, "Well, you got to have it be something so that people who know you at HC Realms will at least be able to draw the line, and then they'll right. know it's you." And he's like, "Fine, J Billy, that's the best I could do," because <laughs> he just hates Jigglebilly so much. So he should, he should wear that name with pride. He should, we should get a T-shirt made that just says Jigglebilly across the front of it, and he should wear it around all the time. It's an excellent name. Don't don't be ashamed of that. <laughs> On the back, uh, we should put uh, "commence the jiggling" because that was the that was the tagline for the the horrible character. Oh, what a great! All right, was. so thank you for joining me on the uh, the episode today. Thanks for having me. So we're uh, so there was uh, seven books that uh, you picked up this past week. So um, I've already discussed the rest of the uh, the uh, issues on the on the episode. So now we're going to get to the the real heart of the matter. So everyone's probably been waiting after thirty minutes of me talking and talking and talking. I'm going, where is this new guy? Where is AJ? Depends Here we is. are. I finally exactly. Here we go. Uh, so first book we're going to look at is Avenging Spider Man number twenty two. So we'll think of this. I start with the cover, and I, 
I get, I, if we're doing like a western standoff on a roof here, I, I just kind of what, uh, what we're going for. Um, I don't, I just, you know, this has got to go there. But I've got, uh, I open to the first page and I see a title. Do you know the title on this issue? Uh, oh, uh, Pro-Death? Pro-Death in all capital letters. Yep. I'm just like, okay, we are clearly in a Punisher book and we'll see how this goes. I wonder if anybody dies. Probably not. We'll, we'll see. Uh. It's all look as I'm third. I haven't been reading Superior myself. I've a few issues from a friend of mine, and uh, I don't mind the, the cock. It's a, it's a different character. I'm fine with it. And Yost seems to do a good job. Do you want to give the, the book, like the writer and, yeah, and all that? Yeah, sure. It's for Yost and uh, who's that art, actually? It's Lopez. David Lopez, yeah. David Lopez. Now, the cover is by Paolo Rivera. The, um, I get what you're saying about the Punisher face. Uh, it's very Rivera, though. Like, that's his style. So, I mean, it, it's kind of an odd... Uh, although I do like that it makes Punisher look like an old man. But what I don't like is that he doesn't look like that inside the book. He looks much younger and much more Punisher-esque to me. Like what I envision is the Punisher. Oh, I, I don't know. Fine as we go along, I have a lot of issues with cover versus interior art discrepancy. I just It's a little bit of a bill of sale to me and kind of... I expect in the book what I see on the cover, and that's probably my own fault. I should know better from reading comics yeah, that, as I have been. That's it's been like 12 years since that's but, been true. Like Most of the time, the cover artists I, aren't I, the interior I, artists days. I still think it should hold true. I appreciate when, when the connection is made, but, you know, that's a person. I'd thing. actually say that Punisher's um, too young. Because um, no, I'm coming from a place where I'm a huge fan of Greg Rucka's run on Punisher. Where he looked much older. He had a beard. He had an eye patch. Like he, sure. this is a much more younger kind of Amazing Spider-Man 129-ish, you know, kind of looking. Punisher. He looks more in his prime as opposed to the more battle-weary veteran he is at this point. Well, and before we go on the issue and the, the page to page, uh, can, maybe you can shed some light on this, but I'm not really sure. Isn't Punisher in jail at the end of War? Doesn't don't they arrest him and he's in a in a prison somewhere? So how is this Punisher is, even here? This yeah, is continuity, it is in continuity. Right? This is the problem with having um, a, a major publisher like Marvel, and they have a writer writing a book, and they decide that they want to take the character in a different direction, but they're going to let the the writer end the story the way he wants to. So he does this. He he leaves Punisher in a great, well, a screw, a bad spot, but a fascinating spot where he's not able to do anything, and he's going to be you know in captivity forever. And about the next month, they release Thunderbolts, where he's a member of the team, and they don't explain how he got out, and it's not in any way discussed. Unfortunately, he's. That's true. I didn't He's just out, and uh, we just kind of have to make do with it. It's unfortunate, but um, I don't know. It, with Punisher, I mean, he, all of it, at one point he was an angel of death. So, I mean, he's gone through a lot of different iterations, and he goes in and out of weird status quos. I, I can let it go because at least he acts like Punisher, but I, I admit it's too bad. Continuity used to mean something more. Um, I understand they don't want to be shackled by it. I just wish that they oh, obeyed it a little bit. Sure, I agree. I agree, and I will say that the, uh, I agree with the point you just made there. I did feel, as reading through the whole book, the characters did have the right core sensibility. They feel it did feel like Doc Spidey. It did feel like Punisher. Um, obviously, we'll get into it in a minute. We got a, oh, a new Mysterio. Mysterion, I was going to say, yeah. But uh, but they did at least it did be like the right characters. Just picking this book up, not following Avenging Spider-Man. I at least I, I could immediately recognize the characters and go, sure, this is Punisher. This is this is Doc Ock Spidey. Okay, I'm in. Um, what what did you think of New Mysterio? Um, yeah, you know what? I'd rather they do this than 
do a, like a new Mysterio and not explain who he is, what he is, but allow him to do everything Mysterio can do with and being competent at it. Because that's usually what they do. Um, there have been like three or four, maybe f- I think it's just four Mysterios. So I'm more okay with it this way, where it's some guy who's got the suit and he's and he's trying it out. Agreed. I can we talk about the fact that uh, they named he named himself Mysterion, and if you. Uh, if you hop on right now and do a Google search, there's only one Mysterion that I know of, and that is Kenny from South Park in his superhero alter ego, who oddly is the same color as this Mysterio, well, kind of, sort of, he's mm-hmm. green and purple, and uh, has a huge question mark on his head, much as the way a character like Mysterio would, would probably represent. Granny, he's got a fishbowl and not a uh, question mark, but still... That's interesting, I didn't theme. know that. So, did... Did nobody do the South Park research and realize that Mysterion is a child superhero? You know, I think more people should do their South Park research, to be fair. All you have to do is Google it. If you, if you Google image, it's uh, just about every image is South Park and not I, Mysterio. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's something change. that's it's a down. very... It's an, it would be easy to just think, you know, if I was taking on this new identity, and I'd, why not just add a little twist? And they probably did had no idea that it was a pre-existing name at all. I, yeah, I can imagine. But I do wonder if in that case, can they get the rights to the name Mysterion? Can they trademark that name? I assume South Park's If they've trademarked, trademarked it, have it, they? So, I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if there runs any legal issues if they do try and if they eventually, if this character sticks around and they make Mysterion action figures, does that... I think it's only if there's a similarity in the character design besides, like, I mean, the colors really aren't that connected. They're the same... They're, the, they're essentially the same color palette. They both have large purple capes. They're both like characters yeah. of smoke and mystery. Granted, I'm probably drawing a little too much conclusion, but they're uh, it's the exact same name and kind of a smoky in the shadows character yeah. with the same color but, palette and I think same. But that being cape. said, uh, the, the, I don't know. Mysterion is just Mysterio with an N in the end. Like so, like basically, Absolutely you could mark the argument easily. He's we just changed the name, but it's the exact same design we were already using for a character who had almost the identical name except for one letter. Well, and I guess the alternate argument could be made: Did uh, did South Park draw there anything from the Spider-Man character? But anyway, okay. So Sirion is a is I'm a fine thing. with that. I like it. Jesus, that's um. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much knew what was going on straight from the start. You got Spider-Man dropping in here. You got purple smoke and random stuff. Oh, it must be Mysterio. Okay, cool. I'm with, I'm with that. And then he makes his grand entrance and, you know, Master of Illusion. Okay, Mysterio's back. Um, yeah, nothing nothing too bad. They're fighting. They're going along. You know, Doc Ock's saying his Doc Ock things. Coward, betrayer. I expected better from you, Beck. Uh, being all superior and angry. Um, I do like the, uh, the phrase... That Yost writes in in the in the center page on the bottom right hand side, uh, Mysterion throws down some smoke and yells no, and Superior goes blast his eyes. <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite quotes of the week. Blast his eyes, he's gone. I think in the log. So I don't know why he's yelling that, but uh, it made me chuckle. Um, let's see what else we've got. More we have uh, Mysterion. On what appears to be the Nimbus Cloud from Ball Z or a Jetson. Um, sure I don't know which, which one's worse. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who thought that was a good idea, art style wise. But uh, okay, I mean, you could have made it just a trail of smoke, maybe. I, it's a little, it's a little rough artistically okay. for my for my taste. But one uh, thing I actually want to make mention sure. of as okay. well is that 
there's two uh, elements of continuity that I like that they used. Uh, first of all, um, Doc Oxbody mentioning uh, that he thought Mysterio was still in the other universe. Um, so this establishes that Spider-Man yes. took place after Ends of the Earth. Um, and also uh, the fact yes. that we see Roderick Kingsley still as the Goblin, which is a little interesting that he's still around, but the idea that he's still um, selling franchises of villains uh, to other people, and this is just the next one he's been doing. Although it seems like... Sorry, go ahead. Well, and Doc even... I was saying Doc even makes the comment, and not the not the winged pretender either. Reference to the other hobgoblin we've seen lately. So it, it is nice to see these little hands and kind of bring the issue Said, together. Why, in the oh, why did uh, did uh, uh, hobgoblin hook up this guy? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do you pick this guy out of the out of the rogues gallery? Of well, because most of the people have been villains. like, you know, he's he's doing it in different areas and like freedom fighters or whatever. Like it's been profitable. How much did this guy pay him? Because he's a bit of a loser. <laughs> He is. He is. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty yell-bellied pretty quick, just running away and realizes things all went to pot as soon as any superhero shows up. And he always seems shocked to, like, spike him after him. I mean, really, the universe, you didn't think he was going to come? Especially when he always fights Spider-Man. Yeah, you had to know what was coming, and you had to know, you had to read the papers, because Punisher makes the same statement. Like, I saw you uh, towards the end of the issue there. I saw what you did to Massacre. So obviously they're aware that he's been shooting people in the head lately. It's probably not a great time to take any of the monikers. No, but that's right yeah, he's been slashing people in the face. Vulture's blind. Uh, maybe not. Don't fuck with Spider-Man right now. Not a good time. Yeah, not a, not a good time to jump in the fold. Uh, so uh, writing-wise, would you, like, do you enjoy the issue for the most part? As you said, you don't regularly buy this book, and now you can't since it's over. But, I mean, it's leading to a book. Wait. Um, it did. It wasn't good enough for me at three ninety nine. Um, it's, it's a fine book. I'll jump ahead a little bit. I think I gave it a six point five out of ten. It's not terrible. It's a fun little read. If you just wanted to pick a book up off the stand, you kind of get an idea of what's going in, going on in the universe at the moment. Um, it didn't draw me in enough. If I was going to read anything, I'd be reading the mainline book. Not I not agree. For, this book. is really just a. And, it should never be your primary Spider book. It's meant to be the tertiary book. Like. You you really Spider Man? Hey, we have another book for you. Yeah, absolutely. Unless I'm just a hardcore Spider Man fan and love everything they're doing to the Superior, I, I I probably don't buy this book. Um, Superior Spider Man team up sounds interesting in theory. You know, like hey, let's go back to the days of Spider Man and a and a. It's the same book as this is though. Week. But it's the same writer. Yeah, like it's it it's such a joke. So, it's it's just because they wanted to call it number one. Yep, jump on it a new number one. I agree completely. So, not a bad book. I didn't hate that I read it. It didn't feel like a waste of my time. And uh, there will be one that did feel like a waste of my time. We'll get to that later. So this this not not. The uh, I actually gave it an good. eight because I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, it was just I, I as much as I love Dan Slott's take on the on the on the Prime Spidey book, uh, I feel like this has always given me a fun story on the side. Um, again, the continuity touches that help ground it in the current. Uh, storylines always help a little bit. Um, it also feels a little bit more free to kind of just have fun with the villain of the week, whereas the mainline book has an ongoing storyline. There's more ongoing concerns uh, in t- as to the world, whereas Yost can just say, I'm going to deal with 
this member of the Sinister Six today, and we're going to have fun with it. And that's all he's been doing since he's been on the book, and I've been, I've enjoyed it pretty much every issue. It's This maybe wasn't as good as the last issue with the Chameleon, but uh, I, I dug this quite a lot. Uh, so next is uh, Batgirl, number two. 21, eh? Okay. Twenty one. So buy this regularly, or is this jumping in? I jump in out. Um, I'm going to get one of the best runs, one of my favorite runs, I think, in 08, oh, yeah. the largest six from the most recent one. Um, I love every series of all time. Um, and so anything with Gail's mode on it, I'll give it a shot. I don't mind. Um, Death of the Family, yeah. Uh, I'm the fan. Um, a lot of better issues of that, to see her dealing with, and kind of all the fallout from that. And I like those issues as just little brief tie-ins. It didn't... It didn't quite push to the level of weekly pulls for this book, but it's right there on the outskirts of what I would pull on a weekly basis. Um, generally, I only pull about six or seven books just for you know, money reasons, playing hero clicks and collecting comics. It's a little expensive on a month-to-month basis. I'm sure most people this can agree to. Right there on the cusp. If, if I expand it a little bit more, it would probably um, be a weekly pull for me. So, now, when was the last issue? So you hadn't read like the, the couple issues leading up to this? I did not. I know the last issue, I think, introduced the DC 52, the new 52 ventriloquist, but I did not read that issue per se. The last one She's I pretty creepy. The Death of the Family stuff. I agree. I agree. Well, you got a good looking cover right there with, uh, you know, drawing in what seems blood on Bar's face and all that. I actually, stuff. didn't, yeah, I I didn't like the cover at all. It makes me want to pick up the book. Um, I found part really? of it, and this is going to be a weird comment, but um, I just didn't like the color palette used. I found it was really I I, I don't know I, one thing I've I've enjoyed about this book for the most part is it usually has a very uh, vibrant sense of color and it really um, like especially with Ardian Sayaf on art it usually at least he's not on this issue usually just each issue pops and the artwork's very solid and then the colors really uh, assist that that popping feel and it just felt very uh, not gr- kind of matted Purple. and gray and uh, a lot more subdued and I get it because of the character on, on the cover um, it just didn't grab me the same way just because sure. of that, that very pale look to it now what did you think when you opened the book did, did your colors return there are happy with the color palette uh, just the color, the, double page they yeah the colors the weren't as good as they usually page. are in this book and I really missed the old art, the, uh, the regular artist because uh, that picture of uh, Nightwing I hated I just... yeah, he looks little, super little long I'll agree well, and look at his hand on his uh, his left hand, I suppose. It kind of looks almost yes, like a does. penguin flipper a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, you don't it looks like a flipper, and detail. he's all leg. Like, he's so, so much of him is leg, and then yes. the, the weird boots kind of end, and it looks like his weird midsection now has, like, these weird, like, uh, trunk bicycle shorts. But, like, on, to- but, uh, like, on top of having <laughs> this, the, the really kind of rigid... Uh, um, yeah, but the, even Overall those don't look legs. like they could bend. Yeah. It's just inc- agreed. Agreed. Hey, he looks I've like never wanted to see Brett yeah. Booth's artwork more because I hate Brett Booth. Like, well, I don't hate him, but I don't like his artwork much. But he would have done better on this. This is just, I don't know, atrocious. Enough. Although, then we get to the next page, and it looks better. Suddenly, the colorist has figured out. Oh wait, I know how to do colors. I know how to make them look more vibrant. <laughs> I know how to make the you know the rain and the the water effects splash off. Suddenly, I know what I'm doing. But the first page, I kind of fell asleep. Yes. Say I can absolutely agree to that. It didn't it didn't strike me quite as as terrible. But when you point out the Nightwing body characteristic 
kind of flaws. I can see exactly what you're talking about, and I can see why it doesn't. Uh, and actually, just to go back sense. a second, so Gail Simone wrote this, but we got uh, Fernando Pissarin or Pissarin on artwork. Um, he's um some of his faces aren't quite right on that, that first uh not the first page but the the two pages afterwards uh barbara's face looks terrible um the small one on the bottom left or the a little bit of both because on the one on the, one on the, the right she right. almost has a frank quietly chin because he's got a little bit of extra folds yeah. in there and i don't know there's just not a lot of detail in there uh, the hair again. I'm picking on her hairstyle, but like it just didn't look like Barbara. It looked like some girl he's calling. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see what you're Bar- talking about. I didn't. I didn't. I guess analyze it quite to that way, just because she's super sad and yeah, depressed and kind of. She's still out a right super hot redhead. And, and I, I took her as a little bit more plain. Well, and I get that, but I still kind of took her as a little bit more plain Jane and a little bit kind of. Brave. If she's been crying for a while, she's just a little bit more solemn and sad. You lose a little bit of the. You lose. I don't want to say attractiveness because that doesn't sound. Right. You don't get unattractive when you get. Sent, I'm pretty you sure you're saying just, that when I, I cry, I don't look as attractive. <laughs> I've never seen. This you is cry. true. You Let's keep it that way. Friends. Let's keep it that way for now. Um, anywho, back to the book. Um, the one thing I'll say is at least they. I, think, I don't know if it was Gail's direction or uh, it was Amanda's, but the fact that. I could follow all the dialogue. You've got Babs with mm. her color palette boxes. You've got Bing with his. You've got the Rand kind of cops and, you know, uh, Rose, I guess in this case, uh, whatever thing they're called, the hangman, whatever. Um, they all, it was easy for me to follow. And with a lot of stuff on a page, a lot of writers will get lost trying to show you who's talking, trying to, you know, direct you to the right action. In this issue, I could follow well and see what's going on, even though you had multiple mm. dialogues going on at the same That's time. That's fair enough. One thing I want to mention, there's a, Later on in the issue, just before Barbara goes out, she's putting on clothes on top of her body armor. I was, I thought, really? <laughs> like it... Well, she's got to walk out the front door. I mean... You yeah, you but that, like, it was easier door. when it was tights. Um, or even spandex. But, like, now that it looks like actual body armor, it's harder to, it's harder and harder to suspend disbelief. Again, they didn't need to make this scene happen. Like, it's kind of an odd scene where her pants are, like, slightly unbuttoned. And so she's, like, she hasn't quite pulled her pants on all the way. And now she's putting this top on over her back row armor. I'm like, why is this scene here? Well, and you've got her pulling her shirt off in the top left-hand panel over her, I guess, like, sports bra or whatever. Is this meant... You know, tank top underneath. So it seems like a little bit of artist... uh, artist Am I supposed to be titillated here? Like, because it's not... I think you are a little. I think you are a little. Little. We'll throw it in guess. so you can get the boys to read the book a little bit more. Let me flip through these pages. Oh, look, a half naked Barbara Gordon. I, I get least more attractive. This week. I don't know. Maybe. There's a scene later on, in a, a few pages later, where it's Barbara's mom. I honestly thought it was Barbara because she doesn't look any different. I will agree. She didn't look nearly. It's interesting to too with, because uh, earlier in the book, I, I was making reference to the fact that you know she had some the, these lines on, on Barbara's face that made her look old, and then we flip to here. There's no lines yep. on on the mother. But they're clearly on Jim. You can see his little crow's feet there by his eyes. I think Jim was really well done to look kind of old, I agree. And, you know, GCPD weathered. But I agree, the mom was not nearly weathered enough. Well, well, she's the first shot of her, books, and so. I, this is a totally random thing to even even notice at all. But there's a, a little bit of her hair that is I don't know why, but it's the uh, it's almost impossible without you here, so I can actually trace the outline of it. But there's a little patch of her hair that reminded me of uh, Wilma right. Flintstone's hair. 
Are you talking about the top of the panel where it's the meanwhile? In yes. Gotham. That one? Of her squatting? <laughs> I can see the... I can see Isn't that the, the weirdest right thing right I could... Like, I don't even know why... You know, someone's listened to the... Someone's listened to the, the show being like, connection. really, Adam? <laughs> like, talk about the issue, please. Yeah, don't talk about the now Flintstones. Now they brought up the Flintstones. Um, I do like that we still have Barbara do the fact that uh, she killed her brother, although he's he's fine. Right. Oh, he, yeah. Well, he's in suicide. And he's creepy now, as hell over there. It's awesome. But I haven't been reading that yet. Um, was that one of the books you covered yes, in the main, yes main cast this week? Okay. I'll be interested to hear how that one came mm-hmm. out. Yeah, um, I, I do like this creepy I, uh, ventriloquist. Um, I, I, it's a little too medic for me, or or mutant, uh, or metahuman for me, but it was still pretty crazy. Well, I let you don't actually ever get to you behind that uh, that curtain. You don't see Barbara. Kind of speculates, what is this? Is this mind control, no. or is this some sort of? But you never find out. You don't know at this point in time how she does it. And I really like that that mystery was kept. You didn't just spill all the. All the monkeys out of the barrel on the first uh, shot True. here of the ventriloquist being. Debuted. I do think uh, so perhaps my favorite line in any comic this week was in this book, though. Um, I, I, I know well, it, it might say. be the same one. Well, after uh, Barbara is uh, cuffing the the dead ventriloquist parents, after she's like stabbed one of them, I think in the neck, and and the mother's saying she won't do nudity unless it's absolutely essential to the story, but it's not a deal breaker. And I was like, what the fuck. Well, and if you'll notice, I don't think Barbara stabs her in the neck. I think oh, Barbara that's right. Both of You're them right. to stab each other, like they grab their hands, because the mom gets, cuts off the dad's head, and then she gets uh, the mom holding knife to stab herself through You're her, right, own, yeah. like up her chin, out of the top of her head, which is pretty rough. I know her parents are dead, but shit, we didn't pull any punches on this. It's always it's always surprising, you know, because uh, so, at the end of the day, the Bat books sell more than most other books, and so the, especially with Bat Girl, yes. you want it to be a, a book where I could be like. Oh, my daughter likes, uh, like you know, wants to read some comics. I'd like to get some female heroes. There aren't a lot of them, and a lot of them are wearing skimpy costumes. At least Barbara Gordon isn't wearing a skimpy costume, although obviously it's a yes. tight costume. But there is decapitations happening. Um, it's very. If I give this to a child, there's nightmares. Oh, absolutely. It creeps me out a little. The bottom, just before the uh, centerfold Superman ad, the kind of turn page there, when uh, when she's scoping out the interior, finds the dead parent, and then she, at the very bottom of the page, she's a fan of murder, and you just see all these hands coming out of the darkness. It was uh, it was effective. I liked it. It was a little bit like, oh, crap, what's coming for her? Because her parents are dead, so who's who's reaching out at her? Um, it was a good turn page for me, a good kind of surprise, and I'm glad they did it right there where they did. You flip through that extra page, and then you immediately see just these dead corpse parents coming right after Barbara with knives sticking out of them. So I really I enjoyed that turn. Now, a, uh, well, so you, well you said this part. is kind of a periphery book for you. Uh, based on the strength of this issue, would you pick up the next one? If it wasn't... The books that I pick up right now, I won't bother going through all of those at the moment, okay. but I'm very locked into the stories that are going on. Um, that book that we'll cover in a few minutes, Guardians of the Galaxy... That has triggered a drop in one of my current books to pick up that book. I don't, you know, spoiler alert, jumping ahead there, but uh, I liked I liked Guardians. So there are there are books that could push things out of the way. Unfortunately, the only two DC books I'm currently reading mm-hmm. are uh, the Batman mainline and Green Lantern mainline. Um, just got some history with those, and so I'm picking up picking up those books to kind of stay involved in the universe. This isn't good enough yet to push out one of those books. But like I said, if I expanded my weekly pickups to even okay. one or two more, this would be one of them. 
Um, it's a book I could see reading in arcs, picking up a few. Like if uh, if I picked up the, I'm, this might trigger me to go back and buy the last Ventriloquist book just to have okay. this little one-two piece of introducing this villain. I would not be in any way opposed to that. I would recommend it. I think it's a good, just having read the second part, it does look very good. Um, it wouldn't trigger me to pick up the series as a whole, but it's extremely close. With a two ninety nine price tag, I can I can stomach that pretty easy. I like the direction. Like I said, I'm a big Gail Simone fan, so it's working on all the right levels other than I just That's don't have enough then. money to buy another book. So, um, I thought, I know your favorite line was the nudity. But I had to laugh at the fact that while she's fighting the ventriloquist dummy and they're tapping on stage, he throws out the line, once you go wood, I forgot you'll about never that. have it so good. And I'm like, wow, wow. That was, that's, that's one of my favorite ones out of this book. That literally made me sit back and laugh. I had a tenant book, chuckle at that, and then go back in and realize this little doll is trying to murder Barbara, slash maybe rape her? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here, and I love mm. that. I love the fact that I do have to admit, I, think, I did feel like crazy. as I flipped through the issue, the artwork did get progressively better throughout the issue. Because um, I do think it, it felt a little maybe rushed or it just yes. was as sharp, but by the end it definitely looked a lot better. Uh, although I want to point out, last, like the last panel... Am I supposed to? I, I don't know if they meant for this, but it reminded me of the you know um, Mary Jane's first appearance. You know, you just hit the jackpot because this weird smarmy look yes. on that guy, like it's like it's a terrible face. Maybe he's been introduced in other books, but what is this half-shaven head, three eyebrow rings, soul patch? I forget okay. if we've Who seen him elsewhere, but he just like existing? and then the hoodie too. Like I just felt like this guy says d bag all over him. He absolutely does, and I think it's maybe supposed to imply that, but I don't know who the character, or if he's even a character, or just a guy, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what this guy is, but I don't like him. Let's put it that way. I don't think yeah, I'm supposed to that. like so him. So what would your uh, anyway. rating for the issue be? I, uh, well, I gave it 8, eight is my favorite, really uh, my favorite thing to say, so I gave it an 8 as well. Uh, next up is, uh, well, this is, I guess, a highly anticipated book, Batman number 21. At first, obviously, it's not Scott Snyder and Greg Pillow still doing this. Uh, what did you think? Open the open to the page. What are your questions? Uh, yeah, and then the weird yes, like does, on the second page, the weird um, like gotcha. I do want one of those like face mask hoodie things though. I, I don't know why, but I really like those giant mouth things um, with the fangs on them. Um, I really I enjoyed these first few pages. Um, not so much for necessarily what's implied by the story of a rundown Gotham, but just how Capullo could go. I'm looking at the the far and I see a subway with a broken window and fish. And like, well, obviously the subway's flooded, but why is he tells the story fairly well for me in these first few pages? And all Snyder gets mm. to write is "gotcha." That's the only dialogue you get. But I think it's been stated before: and the best books tell the story without the words. You should be able to look at the pictures and see what's happening. And I think Capullo does a great job of that. Just in setting the panels, it's a normal, standard, kind of left-to-right and down panel progression. So you don't have trouble trying to jump across the page, trying to figure out, well, wait, is this panel next, or is that panel? Well, wait, what's happening? Is this guy chasing him? It's very easy to follow. You see the kid, you see the guys, he drops the bag, the kid's running, you see a tire screech, and then all of a sudden you see a batarang come in, and you go, okay, here comes Batman. And then you just, but you don't see Batman yet. You see, like, weapons come flying in, you see kids, you see guys falling over, and the kid turns, and there's Batman. And I just, I loved this opening progression, not so much for what it implies about a rundown Gotham, but for just Capullo's ability to tell the story okay, I'll, I'll, without having Snyder, essentially. Um, 
and it really sets the stage for the intro of this Batman of I do like spelunking Batman mountain climbing Batman we'll call him for now he does look cool um, but yes. then we get into yes. okay what is this going to be about and I don't know to be honest I didn't like this this book at all I was excited for it because we had briefly touched base uh, last wow. week uh, when we talked about doing the podcast and uh, I just I don't know yes. I don't know what I was expecting but this just wasn't it and I found myself a little disinterested I felt like I had to push myself to get through wow get to the end right quick I gave this one a 9.5 out of 10. This was my book of, possibly my favorite book of the month so far. But let's go through and sure. talk about what things that I liked and the things you didn't like, perhaps. Um, so I like the little, little three pages here. Um, you dropped your fish, blah, blah, blah. And you get, he thinks you're dead, you know. He's been telling everyone that ever since he killed the city. And so you're like, what What the hell is this? What is going on? How, who yeah, especially Gotham? since What's this is, here? Sorry, this is technically alive? supposed to be pre-Justice League number one, too, right? So, I don't I think so, yes. And I get it's supposed, back, and this is I get that it's supposed to be back, a mystery, so and he's building to something, and it's kind of cool, but at the same time, I was just like, I don't know, uh, the, the continuity nerd in me went, like, really seriously to something. I don't know. I see. I just feel sometimes like DC has some really cool ideas, but at the same time, once you establish certain internal rules or you establish certain elements of your continuity, you should keep you know keep to it. Obviously, you don't want um, you know continuity to stifle creativity, but that's usually the the uh, the excuse given when you have fifty years of continuity, not two years of continuity. Uh, you've got two years. Yes. You can't really say, "Oh my God, yes. the handcuffs of continuity are keeping me constrained." Um, I don't think you can use that excuse anymore. With before, I can say, yeah, you've got so much shit continuity that's in there, it's hard to break free. Now you don't have that excuse, and they keep having these storylines where they're playing around with that timeline, and they wanted it to be five years since the creation of the Justice League, and now we're moving a year back. That's cool. That's fine. However, you know, having this idea that someone has, you know, quote-unquote killed the city, uh, having Batman be very much a public figure and not a figure like in Justice League number one Green Lantern said oh my god you're real you exist um, and that's right. okay if you keep it no, as an urban some was, kids right. like you know oh I, I heard you were dead that means everyone knows who you are you are right I didn't even think about the Justice League tie and the fact that nobody really knew who he was at that point that that is an interesting thing and it'll, it'll, I'll be intrigued to see how he plays that out um, do you did you read anything into the three images on the zero-year title panel here? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you assume the, the rope is him descending into the Batcave for a later issue. And we've got, we've got that tiger's eye thing on the bottom panel. I really don't what, know. What is the second panel? Is it what do you make bone or something? Like... It looks like bone maybe on a stone wall, perhaps? Like drawing it does look out? like something on a stone wall. I couldn't I, really I tell. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think it made me interested enough to be like, oh my god, what, are, what is this? It was more like, okay... So you threw in some weird images. I'm sure it'll eventually come around, but sure. so far it hasn't. Sure. All right, well, we'll get into the Red Hood part of all this. Um, then we, we jumped five months earlier. Um, mm -hmm. got, a, got a car chase going on here. Obviously, we've got uh, Bruce with his face melting, his little face mask kind of coming off of his chin. Now, I, I and, uh, sir, just to go back a second, and here. I can't remember that uh, well at the moment, but isn't this basically sure. picking up from Batman Zero? Yes, I believe so. Um, 
Yeah. Well, wait, the the zero issue with the Red Hood interlay in there? I think so, because in that, I I don't have it handy right now, but I think he was he was with the Red Hood gang, and he was wearing a disguise. It might have been this exact one before maybe this is right after he's turned on them, or they figured out that he's not who he says he is. So it does seem to be in line with that. And Snyder even said, this is going to mm-hmm. be leading into my Batman thing later down the road. So it makes sense that that would be it. Okay. But I didn't go back and reread that. So yeah, con- continue. Um, let's see. They, uh, you've got the dialogue between Alfred and Bruce has got a gadget. He's got a bag full of gadgets right there. And I guess we're kind of assuming this is prototype Batman. I don't really have a utility belt. I just kind of carry <laughs> That's it That's Batman for you. Duffel bag of doom. So, okay. <laughs> we get a hero click of that. Duffel bag Batman. Um. Hey. <laughs> Duffel bag Batman, I hope so. All DC relics will have to be, or resources will have to be bad work. But, uh, but anyways, I can't use the grappling cannon because it's not strong enough. These guys haven't been eating, so it'll be, I guess, brash decision-making Batman in this. Nah, we'll just let it go. We'll, we'll, Confidence? Okay. It's a very egotistical, but... Yeah, he is. He's just very sure of himself, I guess. Um, and Alfred's like, your math is wrong. You're all going to, you know, die, essentially. He's like, Alfred, shut up. And uh, does his whole van off a bridge, grabs everybody falls in the water. And then we get to the bottom of the uh, the page there, and we have the Red Hood doing a little hand clap for him politely. And then Bruce has a nice big uh, middle finger in the air. That was unnecessary. That was unnecessary. Exclamation part, point across it. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's unnecessary, but I think it's Snyder trying to do... Well, I, and I don't know if this was Snyder's decision or Capullo's decision, but it seems like it's very much trying to paint the picture of a young, kind of arrogant, you know, headstrong Bruce. He's he's not the reserved Batman. He's not supposed to be. He's not really Batman yet. Um, at this point, we don't even know if he's put on the suit. I still don't think he would um, do that, though. It just seems so, out of character. Even, even young, brash Bruce is not an angry, petulant Bruce. Like, he, he may be a little overconfident, he might be a little brash, but he's not going to be flipping someone off. That just doesn't seem like anything to do with his character. Can you imagine Batman walking over to you and flipping you off? First of all, I'd be like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a little, it's a little on the on the. That being said, he acts like that in Hero... He acts like that in Hero Clicks all the time. I didn't find it absurdly out of yeah, he does. He does give the finger to a lot of. Oh people. yeah, he's like, just like this is what Batman I do. Just runs around giving the finger to everybody. Yep. Oh, you want mm-hmm. to hit me? Nope, nope, not happening. Here's just flip you right off. Uh, wait, here it clicks. Um, so then we we time jump a little bit again here, and we're back to young Bruce. Um, we see the Gotham City Transit, and uh, that big I bold letters up top. Because, what do you know about the city? The, Bruce? You can really distill the entire run so far as to a love story between Bruce and Gotham City, so I'm okay with that. Yes, the interaction. Agreed, agreed. He does seem to be paying back into that idea very often. Um, I find it interesting to see maybe what this page ends up representing. I, maybe I'm just reading it a little wrong, or maybe I'm trying to read it too much. But I find it interesting that what do you love about the city, Bruce? And then it's a Gotham City Transit Authority emblem in the middle of a little mm-hmm. four page, little four square no, you know, grid here. And then you flip the page, and it's it not felt like it was that. almost like, it's just it, like they, they stapled it wrong, printed it so, wrong. 
it, it, well, it almost felt like an ad for itself or something. Like if there was a Batman logo across the bottom, you'd be like, oh, Batman should be about him as a boy. It was, it was an odd placement for that age. I wasn't opposed to it. It seemed very well done. I like the art. You see kind of people all around Gotham. And I guess you little Bruce in each panel doing things like climb that rail on the bottom left and hang on the bridge on the bottom right and the police officers yelling at him and stuff like that. I mean, I kind of get it. It's just Bruce Wander City. It was oddly placed. Mm -hmm. Not just I agree. You go from Bruce and the Red Hood. It, it was an odd... Um, what do you think about this scene of it was, talking about? It was important exposition. Didn't much care for how they did it, though, with him with testing out that, what, the electro-adhesion bond stressor? I didn't care for that. <laughs> Seriously, right? Let's just call them magnet boots, but yeah. Whatever, I was using the proper name. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and hero clicks, they're magnet boots. It's all yeah, good. like, I didn't care for that, but, like, the exposition oh. was necessary... Um, it's just I I feel like they had a discussion and like okay I have a lot of info I have to dump I need him to be having a conversation with Alfred, but we don't really have the cave yet we don't want him in the, ca the costume yet what else could we do and then they did this as kind of a little visual gag I just didn't care for it sure maybe I'm uh maybe I'm reading too much into it or I just don't know my uh, matches Malone history enough is. Is the blonde wig supposed to be Matches? And if it's not, why did we not have a Matches Malone I wig sitting on that? I think the reason uh, would be that he came up, up against magic, uh, Matches later on when he was after he was actually Batman. Yeah, so I think that's okay. what it and was. Okay, and then took on the persona. I, I I could be reaching, but I, as far as I know, I believe that's the way it okay. is. Okay. Plus, at the yeah, I don't know the Matches Malone continuity well enough to know his first appearance and when Bruce took on the moniker and kind of went underground with that. But I was, I just well, saw all these masks and I thought, man, that'd be a neat. Part place of it might also be that matches but if it's too early, uh, then that like makes these sense. ones may not actually, they may just be dummy masks who don't have identities. With the Matches Malone, whenever he uses that, it's usually for a purpose, and he's infiltrating and using Matches Malone's history. Uh, to his advantage to infiltrate gangs, etc., because sure. that's what Matches Malone was. Whereas these might just be dummies where I just need to look like sense. a regular person. I need to not look like me. I just need to be able to blend in, whereas he may not actually be assuming an identity based on an actual person. Just I mean, he's done that He's done person. that before. Well, I mean, he yeah. did that, that in Batman sense. Year One, sense. which I guess technically, if it's still in continuity, would take place after this. <laughs> Well, and Snyder on uh, on Fat Man on Batman a while ago, he did uh, yep. he did a podcast. I imagine you probably caught that, but he uh, he made the point that he goes in my world, all the continuity is still there because DC gave them the free reign to say, "Hey, you're writing this book, you decide what carries over." And he said, "I brought all of it." Now, yes, it does get a little squished, and it does kind of make a few problems. But and even in other interviews about this, he said Year One is very much still a part of this. So I. I've got all still a part of it somehow. It just gets a little tricky. But I know he, he made the point. He, didn't he does make it tricky. It, it also so makes this, that's good, unfortunately, more of Bruce Wayne. Uh, like it's going to be just Bruce Wayne because he can't really be Batman. Although he is Batman, obviously, which, I mean... Right. I guess the question is, the zero year... the six, I, I'm getting caught up on semantics, but it starts six years before now. Six years before now, I guess, technically, could be after year one but at some point like where do we transition from year zero to six years ago like where is that timeline because if year one still happens that's when he first puts on the costume yet at some point in this zero year story we are after that point 
So you would have to essentially have zero year being about, what, eight years ago, and then year one being... But in year one, I mean, everybody knows who he is, so you can't have year one be before the original Justice League because nobody knows who he is, and clearly in year one, you know, the GCPD yeah. and everybody else kind of find out Yeah, about but him. at least then he's the still not so known to everybody, and so. at least... And I, you know what? It, it's it's Thanks, useless hopefully. because DC's done this to us, and uh, they don't really care. And I like that they've allowed people to use elements of the old history. But the the, the fact remains, they said this is a reboot. Everything's new and fresh, and then they keep using pieces, selective pieces, which adds more problems. Uh, um, which is stupid. But at the end of the day, I mean, Very Scott true. Snyder's smart, a smart man because he knows that you don't just take away one of the most influential and iconic Batman stories there is uh, that's so highly regarded. You don't just say, eh, I'm going to do my own version. Uh, you're asking to die. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like Snyder does have a fairly good ear to the comic community in, in general. He, I don't think he wants to do anything. He cares enough about the character that he doesn't want to do anything to essentially you know, shit on his own legacy, if you will. He wants to have a good run. He wants to tell good stories. And he knows to do that, you can't dump all the other continuity. Even if DC kind of said, hey, we're going to dump all the continuity. He, he wants to bring some of it through as a fan of the character himself. And so I, I appreciate that. But I do agree with you. It gets a little, it gets a little tricky and I don't, if you want to you know, nitpick I don't certain want things to nitpick, out of continuity. But it's so in me forward. as a comic book fan. <laughs> like, the, 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 they it build these worlds us, and they make it about these continuities. And then... Then they want you to let go of it and not and and just be like just just enjoy the story and I'm like I want to I really do but you've conditioned me to be this sure. monster. You can't just ask you can't just ask me to play nice now. <laughs> you've made me monster. into this monster, this continuity cop, and now you're like stop being a cop. And I'm like what? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, have we seen? Obviously, the hat he has there has the the modern day Robin emblem on it. Um, is that a, is that a callback to something I don't recognize? I noticed is in the little shot of him and his dad in the car garage. His dad's wearing the same hat. Um, is it a family? I'm pretty sure. Thing, well, or, I, 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 mean, I think they did this in the um, in Dark Rises. I mean, didn't they have that? That was their 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 sports team was isn't it like the not the Robins, but like it was something with the, with an R, and it was that kind of R. And I think they're just kind of going along that that area uh, Gotham has a lot of different sports teams that have been discussed over the years um, I think that that's all this is in reference to I love the theory of that then because essentially he makes his little sidekick use the local sports team icon so like I'm, I'm in Georgia that would be like me having a little sidekick giving him the Atlanta Falcons emblem as his like moniker on his chest and then running around a little with a bit. Well, Falcon. yeah, it's but just, I, I don't think the team is actually something. called at least the Robins. <laughs> it just happens to start with an R, so it's a little bit more forgivable. A little bit. <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose. So. By the I'm way, not, if you see a superhero later from Toronto much, called Captain but, Blue Jay, uh, that might be me. <laughs> yeah, dang it! Don't <laughs> not, not too many people listen to this already. yet, so. Uh, it's, how are they? Uh, how are they doing this? Not to go on a baseball tangent. But oh, I saw they were on their five-game win streak. Uh, they're how last. are they doing in their own division? Is there hope for playoffs and whatnot? Uh, they are the oh, okay. uh, this <laughs> well, year's Miami Marlins. Um, 
or at least they started that way in terms of they 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 got a lot of good talent, they paid a lot of money, and they started out terribly. Um, I was gonna, I don't think the Marlins have reached a twenty game. 20 wins yet. So I don't think they're Well, at least Miami last Marlins. year's Marlins. Because last year's Marlins, wins, I hope they, are. they had spent the offseason getting, you know, okay, built up enough. and they, they signed a lot of people, which is ironic because we took like three of those players onto our team this year and then we had a major issue starting. But we have a, you know, we have a good core, but they keep getting hurt. And, you know, I, I'm always hopeful. I, I'm happy if they're in fourth or third at the end of the year because that's at least better than fifth. Um, and, I, sorry, go ahead. Sure. Sure. Well, if I had a, go ahead. Well, I was going to say if I had a dollar for every time the Atlanta Braves struck out, I would I would own every book on the shelf. So don't feel gotcha. too. I mean, we're winning, but it's so it's back to Batman. To watch as much as I love as much as I love baseball talk. Back to Batman. Back to Batman. So we finally get to see more of Uncle Philip here. Back to Batman. Um, I don't care. <laughs> like right. this whole sequence. I will admit I didn't care much for it. The it's I an interesting idea to real uh, really uh, explore agree. the Kane-Wayne connection, especially, I mean, they've never really done much with uh, Bruce and Batwoman in terms of actually showing that there's a relation there. Um, no. And I guess it also helps to explain that, you know, Bruce, in all versions of continuity, has no family to go to and only has his butler, yet here we have, like, this other part of the family. I just I, I get what he's going for, and I I get that he's trying to kind of have this idea that uh, a major part of what's wrong with the city partially is this like kind of broken off side of his his own family, which is a callback to the Court of Owls with having like a corrupted version of himself, his brother. Um, so I get where he's going with that, but that being said, I don't right. care uh, about seeing Uncle Philip and seeing this character that we've never really ever met before, but heard mentioned re- uh, previously in Snyder's Run. I just don't care to see it being done. And the weird shoehorning in where the penny came from. They, <laughs> I they, that. they keep on trying to find out ways of integrating awesome. uh, how to explain the weird stuff that shows up in the Batcave. And I don't think it's important enough to really take time to mention it. Anyway, that's just me. And, and again, this felt very like... Uh, I'm going to explain... There's a lot of exposition, and I feel like Bruce Wayne doesn't need to be exp- have all this explained to him. And I guess we do as readers. I just, I just felt like this is an info dump, and it's a right. boring one. Well, you assume, I think, as the reader, that you're being told, you're being informed as Bruce is after his, you know, departure for so long. Like, oh, nay, okay, now he's wait. At what point is this? That look, that's a problem I'm having. This may not be the point I'm thinking it is. Um, so he's talking to Alfred. Isn't this is the same part where he's talking about? Isn't uh, Bruce Wayne dead? He's down in the, I guess, pseudo Batcave, not really Batcave. Yeah, talking to Alfred, and he's like, "I'm not, but bringing Bruce ba- Wayne back to life." And you turn the page, Superman. You turn the page. They're walking through the living room. He goes to the door, and it's cool. It's good to see you again, Bruce. And he's all like, "How did you find you?" So clearly now his own Uncle Philip knows he's alive. So you know, how long no, until that gets out? Uncle Philip. Well, I guess he does have a reason secret. because he wants him to go. I don't know. Like he wants him to be dead. Oh, it's why I had you declared legally dead, Bruce, so I could build something new out of this company that would live on. So, yeah, I guess he's the acting president. And then at the end, he's all Riddler's like, you got to kill Bruce Wayne. So, yeah, that exactly. makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, and then uh, we had the, the flashback to so, young yeah, Bruce. Sure. Um, oh, my God, I hated this. Um, because uh, part of it's Capullo's <laughs> art on uh, on Thomas 
this guy is a respected doctor, right? He's not a a, a, a yokel mechanic. Um, uh, yeah, like the way like he's wearing the hat, which is angry. fine, but like yeah, we're, we're usually we see uh, Thomas Wayne in a certain way, but here and then wearing like I, I guess he's working on this car, but just the especially that first shot of his face, and it just it just looks like this guy is a yokel. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be the soft dad. He's a son. It's a young dad. He's just supposed to be, he's supposed to be a little reminiscent of, you know, Bruce later in the book. You can see where Bruce got his traits. I, I do, I do agree with you on that one panel where he's hugging Bruce right there in front of the car with no background. That's not a great face. I don't think it's nearly as bad in the other panels. It gets a bit better, but I don't know. These just, just aren't the features I expected. It's um, not how I, he just doesn't seem like Thomas Wayne. And then, and then again, a little bit of exposition and, Here's a piece of technology. Oh man, I'm gonna let you borrow this. Like, I just, I just felt it was so no. convenient. Just very like, oh, really? Um, and then like after that, uh, when uh, Bruce goes back home, the shot of the mansion just felt a little, felt a little. I don't know. There's interesting details, and a lot of part of it has a lot of detail. But then that opening looks very like generic, and I don't know. I'm picking on how a house is illustrated, but I don't know. It just, it didn't ground me in the reality of it. When you say the, back the front entrance, entrance. Like the open yeah. backyard, or just like the front entrance, I don't know why right that bugged me. What, what part's the front entrance? Okay. Yeah, I would be interested to go back to some other images of the Wayne Manor and kind of see how maybe that might be a tie-in. Like maybe that's an earlier development they modeled it. I couldn't. Even I don't know which ones were destroyed, destroyed more: destroyed the uh, Xavier Comedy, Mansion but, uh, or the Bruce Wayne Mansion. Probably the X Men. <laughs> They're. Uh, it's expensive to rebuild your house that many times. That's true. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. Um, and then we get the Riddler here at the end making his great. I did like that it was before he was really the Riddler and he's he's uh, Enigma, and it did feel like shades of uh, of Batman Forever. <laughs> Him being this kind of weird nerd, right? I'll be intrigued. I liked his stupid little question mark chair. Um, I liked it in a comic booky way. Like, I don't think it's practical in the least, and it's obviously just a, uh, here, put this question mark next to Enigma uh, so everybody knows he's the Riddler. But I do kind of think it's funny because it does seem something weird. I do like the, uh, like the the price of rivets like uh, explanation. Um, now I've got the formula, so uh, I can't yes, be screwed on yes, my yes, rivets. Yes. I can figure this out. <laughs> I'll be interested to see if any of his little notes pay off. Like, Tokyo dot dot dot. Yeah, did this feel like maybe they were trying too hard to make this, uh, like, the new Rip Hunter? You know, uh, um, uh, what was it? Like, his his note board? And the fact. Well, especially because the top note says, remember the Rip fold? And I'm like, really? Like, is that because of Rip, or is that just. And then, (laughs) I don't know. And then, what's with the balloon? The attractiveness of secretaries? Like I don't Secretaries know, I, I feel like Capullo was having some know. fun, and I like, did like that on one of the computer banks. There's a a post it with like a smiley face. I mean, smiley or, I guess, face next to Tokyo Moon, yeah, yeah. And then there's another, yeah, that strange that just anger, which I find interesting. Um, but you know, I like the Riddler. Pre New Fifty Two, I really liked how they made him more or less a hero- heroic figure, or a guy actually going straight. Like he he's not a villain really. Yeah, like he. He's just this smart guy who 
can't help himself with riddles. And then I right, right. Um, and then we get the last page. You have to kill your nephew Bruce Wayne, and Bruce is all like, "Hey, a hole in the ground." So you know, obviously, we and even that, it just felt like a weird way to end the issue. And I was like, "Okay, thanks." Let's go over the that happened. Thanks. Clearly, the backup. Somebody's gonna throw this ball down the hole. Um, um, I guess in a quick summary, I kind of liked it. It was kind of stupid, but um, it was what it was. You know what? Though I enjoy that kind of stuff because it's very like uh, it's it's a nice way of kind of showing like the travels of Bruce Wayne, and he's done a lot of things. And obviously, he tr- usually we all get to see all we get to see is like a montage of him in training in different places or training with Henry Ducard or whatever it might be. And here, like you know, he obviously right. is a really good driver. You don't just pick that up and. It's interesting here that he's actually with, with this guy, and I actually kind of dug that. It's a weird decision in terms of, like, we need a backup. Let's make one about driving. Uh, Bruce Wayne's a good driver. I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all, because when he's fighting the Red Hood gang earlier, um, the comment that uh, one yes. of them says something about, where did you learn how to drive? One of the Red Hood gang. Maybe it's even, not uh, just, though. Like, even even with the, it. obviously, yeah, um, you're right. There is a connection, so it's not totally weird because there, it is kind of set up. It's still weird to have a backup on Bruce Wayne driving around Rio de Janeiro. A little bit, but, I mean, if you if you caught, I didn't mind it. I, you know, you caught the Red Hood saying it earlier, and, you know, kudos to you. Where did you learn how to drive? And where did you learn how to drive? Kudos to you for being able to do that. And then you get you get the Bruce you kind of expect to end where you think he's riding around with his buddy, but then they start to take some pot shots at police, and at the end he just knocks him out, and he's like, you know, you've killed twenty three police officers in thirteen countries, you know, you're going to jail, like you're you're not my friend. Thanks for showing me how to drive, and that does seem very Bruce. Like I'm gonna use what I need. I'm gonna get the information or the skills from you, but I'm not gonna let you hurt anybody. And then in the end, you're gonna pay for what you've done. So I did appreciate how Bruce liked that felt, even if I wasn't a big fan of the arts. I kind of, uh, you know what? As much as I, as I said before, like it did feel like it came out of nowhere. I did still enjoy it, and so I should say Scott Snyder wrote it with James Tinian the Fourth. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, with art by uh, yeah. art by uh, Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a fun little romp. Again, I didn't mind it because it was only what four, five, or six pages. So it's not the reason why you pick up the issue. It's just Something extra like garnish, that. and it's kind of a, it's kind of fun and silly. And uh, I, I did like the. Um, I don't know where this guy gets the money to soup up this car so that it has a grapple hook that shoots out. But again, that's very like that's what the Batmobile does. He's done that in the comics. He's done that in the movies. So I like that they did that. And uh, yeah, that was kind of interesting. You are right that Batman looks like a caveman, but sometimes he is. I liked it still. Yeah, we'll go. I still really love. I loved where this is going. Um, I'm intrigued to see what happens with it. Um, the reason I didn't give it an even higher score is only because I didn't ask for Year Zero to start with. That being said, real, how much I, higher could you go? I had no need to go back to Year Zero. I trust Snyder. Well, I trust Snyder to write a good story and to deliver a good Batman. I've liked what he's done so far, so I give it a really high score. But I don't give it a higher score just because I'm like, yeah, Year Zero. I'm sure this will be fun. I like the way it's written. I like Capullo on art. Okay. I like everything about this book except for the fact it's. But, you, but you're still I wish you're still I giving it a nine point five though. Right now. But and I got to do a Aren't year. You? Of this. 
Originally, I gave it a 9. When we started talking, I bumped it up to a 9.5 because I feel like I liked it even more than I did. Okay. Now that we've gone through a few points, I'll bump it back down to a normal 9. But I still give it a 9 out of 10. I loved this. I think it's a great place for people mm. to jump on. Even though it's a 21, it might as well be a number 1. with all the Because you're abandoning everything else that's pretty much happened so far. Readers could jump on for a year. Then at the end of the year, you'll go right back into Snyder, Snyder's modern day run. And I, I see it as a very good, good book this week. I, I really did enjoy it. There are some issues... And certainly a few that you've pointed out as we've been talking about it that I might not have caught the first time through. But the first time through reading this, I, I just found no with it. Really enjoyed uh, it. I guess, yeah, I'm a little uninterested. And I, how many issues is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to be a full year? Ugh. Like, that it's just a, fills me with, it like, is a this year run. Of really, like, uh, that's a long time. And I hope a lot happens, at least. I mean, I think of year-long runs, or I think of 12-issue Batman stories, and I think of stuff like The Long Halloween, which, again, is year one-ish, uh, or Dark Victory, same kind of uh, sandbox. I'm just right. very wary. I, I do feel like you, this didn't really need to be happening. Um, I hope that there's a reason for it to happen and that it will somehow reverberate in what Snyder does next. I just feel like it's going to be a really long storyline, and I wasn't gripped. I felt, again, it was a little bit boring and uh, a lot of exposition, which I'm sure is necessary, but it did bog it down. And I unfortunately, I ended up with a giving it a six and a half. It, that's the way the cookie wow. crumbles, okay. unfortunately. Okay, well, hey, that's fair. That's, that's what it exactly. is. Uh, books, so the next up books, is, uh, I guess, yep, uh, I Green you. Lantern Corps 21. Uh, it felt really yep. I feel like it should come out. You, you start off with this one. Uh, because half of the four Green Lantern one uh, book, and everything kind of takes its cues from there. But here, we're we're stepping back a few, a few steps um, before we kind of get the story going. It's weird... Now, which, which which part took place Electric in Green Lantern? Lantern, 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 Lantern. Salak has already given up his post. He's uh, Kilowog has already taken over. The guys have already come on their way out, and uh, Hal is already uh, or in the process of uh, you know sending out the rings. Like so, a lot of that happens before you even read this issue. Which yes. it just felt like I want. I'm reading this afterwards. I want it to feel more like I'm reading it. You know, it's a natural you know next step. Instead, we're kind of seeing things that hadn't happened yet. Well, I do especially these first few books. It, it seems like there's a strong push to make all books very interconnected. You got an event that happens, like obviously in Green Lantern twenty one, you had the whole Kyle Rayner. Hey, Guardians are saying for it. We need to talk to you. In Green Lantern, I don't think New Guardians twenty one's come out yet, but clearly that's going to be in that book. Some, some nod to that. And so I think they're trying to weave a little bit of connected universe in these first few before they take off. Now, I don't disagree with you that it's a little, it's, it's a little backwards that, yeah, you do have Salak talking to them here and resigning, and it should have already happened. But maybe this is just showing you the part that you didn't see in Green Lantern. I'm not trying to defend it. I do think it's an odd choice, but I can mm. kind of sort of see now, why. Now, Vin Diddy's writing Green Lantern as well, right? So. Yes, he is, he, uh, Robert Venditti is writing the Green Lantern mainline book, and then he's co-writing no, Green Van Lantern. Jensen. Should I know him from anywhere? Van Jensen here. I don't. I, if, if you don't, I don't. He might have okay, done something. And the artwork's Bernard Chia. It doesn't really Chang. Me, no. um, this probably might have never enjoyed his artwork. Chang. I'm not a fan of how he's doing uh, our main man, Joe, here. And there again, I've got a big disparity covered on by different people. It's a recurring issue for me. I don't like how kind of smooth and polished he looks on the front cover. Then you open up and you've got a completely different 
uh, John Stewart on the first, which much more, I guess, almost like a DC animated look is what I would say. Overly dramatic, kind of overly big, big kind well, of yeah. You're, you're right that the, the cover aspect, Vicky Jones, I, it looks it's so lifelike that that's that's a real person. Absolutely. And then yeah, and then yeah, you I then you get the in there and the it's so cartoony. Like it's excellent. And I don't know, I, and I just I also didn't like that. You know, Jeff Johns strove to have a, a feeling of closure in Green Lantern 20. And you definitely got a, a feeling that these two characters, Star Sapphire and Jon Stewart, yes. were going to be happy in some way. Uh, and then here it just feels like a retread. And we're just like, you know, and, and this love between them happened so fast. Considering she should hate him with every fiber of her being. It really did. Um, yeah. And I dropped, uh, I dropped reading Green Lantern. I was reading all the titles there for a while, and I dropped Green Lantern at uh, issue 12, and we talked about this off-pod, but I was clearly and just severely disheartened when they killed the Alcor in issue 12 in about a two-page spread of the, just the terrible way they handled killing the Alpha Corps in my opinion. Um, and I read this book, and I was like, oh, 299, I'm familiar with Green Lantern Corps, I can talk about this. Wouldn't have even picked it up. Um, not a fan of anything to do with the core lately. Um, but that being said, picked this one up to see what's happening. So I'm a little on. I know then her and my fatality have been together a little bit more. But, yeah, this is just real quick for such a... Uh, for, the line on the like, second page, you still haven't answered my question. Decated. Really? Really? That's where we're going? We got like a high yeah. school glee, almost trauma going on here? You guys are space warriors. No, it's Why not. Are you, not at all. It, yeah, it felt very odd. I don't um, I, I just didn't, didn't like... I, I don't even want to spend a lot of time talking about it. I um, just feel like I, there's not a lot of substance here. Um, I didn't like the artwork. I found... Um, the colorist, I, I, I harp on the colors a lot when it comes to the Green Lantern franchise because more than most books, the colors are extremely important. Um, and I guess Marcelo Maiolo, uh, I just found the colors to be very bland. Not nearly, they didn't, again, I, I keep saying they haven't popped, but I, I wanted artwork that really grabbed me. I wanted colors that really shone off the page. You do like green energy. I want to feel that energy being manipulated. I don't want it to just be this very basic green, especially like with yes. the aura. The aura should feel like the character shimmering. Instead, you're just doing this little green outline. Like some colorists are able to make it. Like I forget which colorist it was, but whoever was coloring uh, Ethan Van Skyver when he was doing uh, any Green Lantern work, uh, you could feel the green. Um, yeah, you could feel this power. That it's supposed to be the most powerful power. weapon in the in the universe. Yeah. Here, it just feels like very generic colors, and I mean, I just found it boring. And a lot of the of the issue is just them beaming energy. And if you don't feel that power, if you don't feel that that, that vitality in that, yep. you're not going to care. There's a shot where uh, Salak is trying to leave um, uh, Oa, and, or at least walk away for a while, and then you got these guys trying to stop him. And this guy put out a construct of a hand in front of him. Um, it's the most it's the most generic hand ever. And I got to ask too: the guy who does it has like a fin head. Um, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have regular hands. I'm just guessing. But, like, wouldn't he have, like... The guy that does it... No, 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 check it out. The guy who sends it out has a fish head. He has normal hand-like fists, which has been a problem in the Green Lantern Corps for a mm. little while, in my opinion. We have way too many human-esque characters. It looks like it's Trek the Next Generation with yes. just normal-looking people with different colored skin. Um, he puts out a giant fist, then he slaps Salak with a tail fin like a fish tail fin, which seems actually appropriate. Then he goes back to the fist because he's going to, you've got Sora, Sora Nick coming in here and he goes back to the fist. Like he's going to punch somebody with it. What? 
Who would go to a fist to a fan back to a fist? Like, I don't know. It's like they couldn't decide what type of creature he no, was. I agree. Is he a fish or a Actually, man? I don't flipping know. through it, Give I realized the, the, there's a panel in this issue where you have the all the new rings going out to find new people. I think that's the best instance of coloring in the, yes. in the entire book. <laughs> that That's the one time where the green kind the of right has this interesting... It's not like... Because it's not powerful because it's just the rings going to their destination. So I'm okay with it not being a certain vibrant green. But there's something about most in the foreground. And it's sparkling side. And right. I I like that shimmer. I don't know why. That that's the, I want it. more of the book to feel like have me have a connection with the uh, the color. And I just don't for most of it. I was going to say you might like it because it has it makes it look like the ring has power and everything we've been talking about. Yeah, it actually looks like the ring is energized and a thing that grants you this ability and all this, you know, these the ability to fly through space and all the shit it does. It should be a look a little magical. It should look powerful. Um, anything and else you really want to say about it? Because I have nothing else. <laughs> I don't like the fact that they take mm. a mother away from her child. That's a little, that's a little odd uh, when they're calling forth all the new Green Lanterns. The others I have no problem with. Warrior, monk-looking little horse guy, and sad little guy who comes from a land of people who argue. Okay, whatever. Um, but you take a mom from the child. I'm curious to see if they're going to ride that, or she's just like okay. instantly goes back here. I'm curious to see how that may play mm. out. I probably won't, because I won't pick, pick this book up again. But um, then at... Um, i trying to find where it was. I noticed in particular there is... There's a page with both Fatality and Soranik on it. Um, here it is. Um, let's see. From the Superman Unchained Centerfold ad, uh, which uh, you've got Sora Nick talking to Alak uh, on the top side of the panel. Right side, it goes back to the planet Kosh, and you've okay. got uh, John Stewart lifting some deep off of Fatality here. Notice the outfit Fatality is wearing. Oh, it's the same the outfit. outfit. Sora Nick wearing on the tops of both of these pages. They both, it's the exact same damn outfit. They both have deep V's with half their tits out. They have pop collars, they have gloves and boots, and granted, that's kind of a generic costume, but really, <laughs> they've got the exact same deep V, these space warriors. She's a fucking doctor. Why does she have half her tits out? I know it's always been her outfit, but it's always bothered me. She's no. like space surgeon. Don't. You wouldn't have that. And, and it's drawn exactly the same. Both the women, both <laughs> overly large racks, well, both pop collars. Both DPs, both gloves. What I would say it's about Fatality's costume on, is that, ironically, that. she's covered up more as a Star Sapphire than she ever was previously. Which is odd. Because <laughs> usually yeah. Star Sapphire costumes yeah. leave sure. very little to the imagination. And here, uh, you actually have more covered than previously, which is ironic, because yep. that never happens. Well, and I think they've tried as a, as a whole bunch of old kind of pink bikini she used to have. So maybe there's a conscious effort to push them away from kind of I don't want to say the, the, the core of sluts, what they came across as, because they're all lovey-dovey, but we're super angry, but we're all wearing tight little pink bikinis. So it's it's like it's not what they should have ever been to start with, and maybe finally sure. they're pushing the right direction uh, did you care to, to push them away did from you care to end? Sorry, um, did you care at all about the end now, where the, you got the Go Durlins? Did I care about the... Uh, Sack full of leeches or like the squid face. Did you look a little bit like no, the? No, I've no, actually never watched them, but the, 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 the creatures uh, uh, from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Didn't one of them kind of have a squid face like that? I've never You're watched them, so the I'm, I'm glad I. One. Yeah, <laughs> that made sense. Um, 
Yeah, he did. He he looks just like, and I've I've watched those movies a hundred times because my wife loves them, and I can't think of his name to save my life right now. Um, but yeah, he does kind of. If you put a pirate hat on him, he would, he would look, look more interesting like, for sure. I almost wish they uh, had put a pirate hat on him. That would have been great. So, uh, I agree. So you wouldn't pick up the next pirate, issue. No, You're no, not really vibing it. This thing. I gave it a six, and I'll be honest, I would have given it a five. But for the sake of reviews, I actually read through the channel fifty-two at the end, and. It's absolutely terrible, but I did appreciate yes. the fact we got a Detective Chimp hmm. uh, cameo here in the new in the Channel Fifty Two at the end. So I gave it a six instead of five. Would he be there in any of DC Detective book? Chimp showing up in the Channel Fifty Two. That's the only reason. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just uh, thank you for putting Detective Chimp in something. Um, no, I gave it a five out of ten. It's it's passable if you're reading the book. It's not terrible. It's not a big departure from what it's been a lot lately. I'm glad they're put giving John Stewart a book. I'll say that much. I'm glad they're pushing him to the forefront. Now if only they can write him well and actually do something other than just have him kill somebody like a planet or uh, a living planet or his own friends. If Do something other than make him the martyr that just wants to kill himself because he has to kill everybody else and have kind of this war PTSD thing going on. Give him some damn power. Make him the guy that was in the Justice League uh, cartoon. Give him, make him a hero. I hope they do him well. I don't have super high hopes based off this. He's a little issue, bit more concerned about love right who now. Who knows? Maybe they'll turn it around. I don't know. Yes, absolutely. And that's I gave it a six because uh, I just that's you know, it, it, it. It. I guess it. It, uh, it crossed off the most base criteria for being an issue that wasn't awful, uh, but it left me very indifferent as well. Uh, next up is Guardians of the yes, Galaxy. Agreed. Absolutely. Number three, I guess. Right. What do you think <laughs> of this book? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, again, I know I've harped on it a lot, but the cover seemed to represent the book. You've got a you've got a rocket raccoon right here on the front. He grabs you. He's got those eyes piercing right through you. A big gun, classic rocket raccoon. They have his gun kind of go over the title of the book a little bit. I like popping out at you. Um, and looks a lot like the rocket raccoon in the book. So it seems this kind of irks me a little bit when like a kid may go to a shop, see a book with a certain art style. He grabs the book, saying, "This is great. This this will be a neat Spider-Man or a." or a neat Batman, and you get home and it looks nothing like it. Like, it's just a t- completely different art style. And it rubs me the wrong way. So I'm glad in this case Actually, it uh, looks before we leave the similar. cover, uh, it is a very um, clear homage to uh, Wolverine number one. Uh, even the hairstyle, yes. almost. <laughs> With the smirk and the, and the hand up. I mean, it, it helps that he's furry, naturally. Kind of going off but... the sides and the top a little. Yeah, and the ears. That's <laughs> true. That's true. And Rocket Raccoon does kind of well, have he's a little funnier than mentality ever been. so I think it's fitting. So Ben... Absolutely. Um, and look, It's one of the few things that did, unfortunately. The old Guardians to the new Guardians. Uh, um, so this is written by Bendis, and it's got artwork by Steve McNiven and Sarah Pacelli. Uh, yep. Really? Interesting. Let's see. Um, I didn't read one or two. Um... I didn't pick it up. I picked up one shot, and I was a big fan of the old Guardians, and my thing. This isn't what I came to know and love. Um, so I'll, I'll pick up another. After having read three, letting it going and seeing the direction they're taking it, I'm probably going back and buy one and two. Give it a fair shot. Read the first three issues, and then reset. Um, I don't know that Interesting. I'll Interesting. I feel like the, the, the more it goes on, the more it is. Oh, fair enough. Um... Let's see. You start out. I know his dad, uh, Starling, this King of Space or whatever he's calling himself. Um, I, I don't care much about him, but okay, we're moving the plot along. It's it's a thing. Um, 
Iron Man's with them, and I guess apparently in the first two issues, they all kind of got captured because you see them all in tanks there, and they're kind of peeling Iron Man's off of it. And now they put him at Duke. I, I do like the personality of Iron Man, where uh, you've got two guys kind of interrogating him and prepping him to get in the suit. And they're talking about every ship in the fleet has, uh, is every ship in the fleet has a universal translator. You don't have those when you come home. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's so cool. Even as they're capturing him, he's just in awe of their technology. And I do think that's very Tony Stark-like. I liked seeing that. Um, and then, see, you got any impression of the first pages? Uh, kind of the intro? Yeah, it's just found so... I don't know. I, I just feel like... The, I guess my problem is because that it feels very generic in a lot of ways, where I feel like the previous, um, the previous iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy was a very unique, very different thing. Uh, it wasn't like anything we'd really seen before. It was a weird ragtag mm-hmm. group. Uh, obviously, there had been a lot of un- unrest in the cosmic uh, area of the Marvel Universe, which led into that version of the team. Um, this is really just a, a way of cashing in on something that's supposed to be a movie. Uh, it feels like uh, back when Abnett and Lanning wrote their Guardians of the Galaxy, no one wanted to really do cosmic. They were you know, doing the cosmic ship. Uh, they introduced this quirky, fun group. Uh, they had a lot of fun. Everyone who was reading the book was having a lot of fun. And then Bendis was like, well, I want to have fun. And so he decides he's going to bring these characters back. He's not really yeah. going to explain wh- how you know Star-Lord's even alive. He's just going to do things. I just feel like the soul of some of these characters is missing. He's kind of shoehorned Iron Man in, which I find frustrating. I just feel like this team even doesn't really have the purpose it used to. It used to have you know, a, a set base of operations. They had a certain thing that they were doing. Um, they had a few more members of the team, which made it feel more like an actual Guardians of the Galaxy. Because now, the guys they have aren't, like, b- before they had sure. uh, Adam Warlock, they had Phylavel, they had Moon Dragon. These are characters with cosmic power sets. Now you have Drax, who's good, but he's m- mostly a brawler. You've got Gamora, who, again, is only really good in close combat for the most part. You've got Rocket Raccoon, who's got some guns, but again, not really a, a cosmic level threat. And then Groot is another beat stick. So you're not really giving the team something that will allow them to kind of uh, live up to that their name. They don't seem to have the, the, the mechanism for transportation they used to have in the old one. I just feel like everything about this team feels much more uh, boring and less interesting and, and less quirky and strange. And it's more just, I don't know, Ben is trying to... Uh, have fun with characters that he was reading and said, hey, this looks cool, I can do that. And I don't think he can. And uh, I don't know, I just find myself extremely frustrated. And the idea of, of, again, not referencing... They made a brief reference in, I think, issue two that, oh, you know, Star-Lord, you're back from the dead, but they don't explain why and how. They don't explain anything that happened to the character before. It's like nothing ever happened. I just find it maddening. I've got to think at some they don't have point to do anything road, because yeah, they if Bendis didn't write it, half the time he doesn't believe it's real continuity. And I hate to say that because I like I used to like him a lot, but I find with a lot of his writing, he'll just kind of do what he wants, and then he'll he's kind of damn the consequences. And it's up to other people to try and make allowances for it or try to figure out how this can allow other things to happen or how it can function within pre-existing uh, continuity. He's not concerned about that. He is just writing the story he wants to tell. And again. I get that you don't want to be handcuffed, but if you're going to take character who was previously dead and then bring him back to life and never reference it, I feel like you're doing a disservice to anyone who's a fan of those characters. On a on a quick side note, I've listened to a lot of your reviews. I just I know it hasn't ended yet, and issue ten's coming up. But I, on the same Bendis train, 
on basically a, a little one sentence summary. One what have you sentence. Thought of Age of Ultron? Uh, couldn't do it as one sentence. Since we've got the same um, writer here, I feel like we had six and a half to seven issues that could have been one. And then we had a really good idea that was the reason why he wanted to do the story, which got shoehorned into two issues, which should have been more of the event. Uh, it's going to be a really rushed finale that doesn't feel earned, and it shouldn't have been called Age of Ultron. And if you're talking about a, a you know, you were mentioning before about covers and and you know the bill of goods, uh, that is the giant fu. Uh, it sells it as being this the yep. biggest Ultron story you've ever read. However, yep. Ultron's not in it, so hope you enjoy it. Um. <laughs> See, I could have done it <laughs> in one so. sentence. I'd go, Age of Ultron is a mess. And that's the sentence. And that's, that's it. That's my one sentence. But anyway. Um, okay, I was, just, I was just curious because, you know, there again, we're dealing with Bendis and kind of this, obviously the same writer themes. And I enjoyed... I enjoyed oh, the fact that I hated that. It was so poorly done. Well, because I like it when these people get together and whenever they've done it in really? the past, uh, usually for... for um, for the most part, the Shi'ar are usually the ones leading things. Now, obviously, over the course of the last decade, a lot of things have happened to decimate some of the more powerful races. But uh, I'm sorry, these the Spartaks have never been a seat at this table. And to have him, I mean, they do make a brief mention to, like, why does he think he's leading us? But I just felt it ridiculous that this guy, who's basically, like, pick one of the tinier countries in the world and have that guy that country's representative go to a table at the United Nations and act as if they're leading the show. That's what it feels like. But see, that's that's what I read into this, though, was that they're all sitting there... Why haven't they done that already, time, though? Like, it's just, they, just they have crossed so many out. boundaries. You um, have freaking Gladiator true. there. He's the leader of the Shi'ar. He can kill anyone there, and he's listening to this yeah. guy, and, he, and, like, I'm sorry. He's the kind of guy... First of all, he could just walk away. Like, I feel like the Supreme Intelligence is listening. The Supreme Intelligence is smarter than everyone there. Um, I just... I, I don't know. I feel like... If you're going to do this type of stuff, I yeah. feel like it should be Jonathan Hickman. Because Hickman understands the, the cosmos. He understands so much more about how the Marvel Universe should work on this galactic scale than someone like Bendis. Who, a lot of his writing these days, again, it wasn't always this way, but a lot of his writing is about people sitting around a table. Usually a dinner table. Not in this case, thankfully. But they're still having a... Uh, yeah, but they're just... It's the same thing. Like If you put in, in a table there, it wouldn't circle. look out of place. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Not at all. I guess I was just grateful as a, as a cosmic fan. I like uh, in the DC universe. It's cosmic. I like in Marvel, the old ones, because they were cosmic. I'm a, I'm a big, big cosmic fan. Still, it's all my jam. So I was glad to just see these characters at least come to fold in this issue and not kind of be swept off in no man's land. Um, so I, maybe see, that's it. Maybe I'm a little biased because I'm happy just to see them. Um, I do agree with you, though. Many of these leaders would not be taking orders from anybody, much less him. Um and I don't have a lot of background on who he is, not having read the first two issues, other than he's Star Lord's dad. I also don't um, like that he that Star Lord's really going by Star Lord because he doesn't um, like the name. Like the whole point in the Annihilation series, I mean, he starts off just being Peter Quill. He's a military strategist, and then in, right. in, in Annihilation Conquest, he takes over and becomes more of an important figure and a leader. But again, he doesn't like being called Star Lord. He doesn't like the you know the legacy that he's part of, and he's just I'm. 
I'm Peter Quill, and it just feels like Bendis has taken he this character, but has not really taken the time to know anything about the character. And again, I get it. You not you don't always have to be a slave to continuity, but it, you are picking something up off the ground that's not that old, and you are doing very different thing with it, and you're not explaining any of it. You're just doing what you want. Um, I just and I just I just ah it makes me so angry. <laughs> like and it's not like a. Yeah, well, it's it's not like it's a it's, it like in, in its own way. It's not want. actually a bad book. I just don't care because I find it, a lot of this doesn't ring true to me. And again, I like cosmic stuff too. I'm just I'm not that hard up to have these characters show up. I'd rather just go back and read Annihilation or Annihilation Conquest or the Guardians of the Galaxy series, and I feel like that'd be so much more rewarding. Even though some of that stuff ended up going a little off the rails sure. near the end. At least then I'll get the characters I know and love acting like those characters. Here, they look similar. It's like, you know, it's, this looks like a friend I know, but this friend has, friend has actually been part of a cult now, and he's lost all sense of his own personality, and he's someone completely different. He looks like who I used to know. What if they do... What if Bendis ends up doing something, and I highly doubt it goes anywhere this intelligent, but... What if he ends up doing something where, like, to escape, Star-Lord had to, I don't know, regrow himself or become... What, what if it is technically a different Peter Quill? What about some cosmic something where Alan Warlock-like, he had to cocoon himself away? And so this is Peter Quill, but it's not the same Peter Quill. And then you kind of get a free pass to give him a little bit of a different personality. Because I'll agree, when you're sitting in Thanos Imperative and you see all the, uh, the cancer verses opened up and you've got all the cosmic entities coming out, and Peter's sitting there talking to Richard and he's like, you know... At the point when this all shows up, when all the cosmic entities align, you just realize the level of shit we're in. Like, we're just dudes. And that does not at all ring true to this Peter Quill. The guy who's like, you know, I'm just trying to make up for the things I kind of screwed up back in the day. This guy does seem very much more of a, more, give me the reins, I'll be the leader. Uh, I'll take charge. And that was never Peter Quill back in the day. He didn't really yearn for it. So what would it be more acceptable if they almost said, "Hey, that other character is at this dead, point, this at least it's Peter something," Quill, but it's not Peter Quill type thing. At, at this point, it's basically throwing me a, a bone yeah. and me having to be like, you know what? It, but then it's, it's almost like what you said. You're just happy to see these cosmic characters. At that point, I'd be just be happy to get an explanation of some kind. But it wouldn't be heartfelt. Yeah. I feel like if they actually cared at all about what happened yeah. before, they would have built a story that allowed us to understand where these characters came from. Let's see. Um, so getting back to the actual issue, I guess you've got uh, you got soldiers looking through weapons, and you slowly see Groot growing out of the uh, little you know Groot's coming back, and then of course Groot just comes busting through the wall and frees body, and uh, I am Groot's with you know reading different inflection there. And that's all well and good, and you can kind of inferring his emotions like uh oh life support's clicking on, and I'll just hit everything, and he's like oh I guess they're okay. I don't I don't know. I think Bendis has to let go there a little bit. Like, we get it. He says, I am Um, Groot, and that means other things. Stop going to the well. Yeah, like, I get it. Just stop going to the well. You know, I get you're you're doing this fun character. This is all he said. It always means different things. Ha ha. Uh, We get it. Just stop. Of uh, you've got Star Lord, and he says, uh, she says, look at Drax, and uh, Peter answers, he's so happy, and you mm. see Drax, and you see Tony, and I'm really glad I took this vacation. I wish that page had no text. I wish it was just Peter shooting somebody, her swinging, or Drax beating up, and, and Tony just smiling. Uh, like, yeah, this is fun. I'm out here. Going that back a second, no and, and this is the problem with having just a green character who's built. Um, when they first get like freed, 
and Drax is like you know dusting off all the crap that's on him. Um, doesn't Gamora look like She-Hulk? Like the eye, because yeah. usually she's supposed to have like the, the, the eye circles and stuff and things that make that make her not look like She-Hulk. Plus, usually her body is more lithe and not as built looking. But here she's just She-Hulk, and then I'm really bothered by Star Lord kissing his gun. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, and and plus <laughs> at that point again it's, the again, text wasn't Star necessary Wars, think, but the image of him kissing the gun is enough having the Mwah, really like yeah. I'm that stupid as a reader that I need that spelled out for me yeah I don't know yeah ugh I need the sound of it, apparently I agree there's there's a little too much story the art does a fine job telling almost all of the story um Bendis' writing just reminds me a little bit how out of character some of these characters are um that being said, I did appreciate when uh, no. when Raccoon, just blammo merch, no. blams, merch. That, that's cool cartoony. That it felt. Like that. Hey, I look, he's the new Deadpool. Raccoon. I did that. Like that's what it felt like. All right. Well, it, you because who says Deadpool, stuff like that? Like, that there's a difference between be, usually he's kind yeah, of a darkly sardonic, funny character. He'll make some quips, but he's not like outright goofy. This was Deadpool. Deadpool says that because Deadpool's in a video game, and this is what Deadpool says. This is what Deadpool says in video games. I hate that you pointed that out. Now, I hate that you pointed out that because it absolutely is. I can't not see it now. Sorry, I can't even books oh, for you. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> mm. Why do you just like? Look I just I don't so know. I, I I feel <laughs> like unfortunately, in some ways, I'm a little unfair because Bendis is kind of doing an uphill battle here. Because for me, because I was a huge fan of something that was, I think, a little unfairly, uh, you know, put out put out to pasture and, and done with. And now, because of the amazing work that was done by Dan Abbott and Andy Lanning, that's why it ended up being option for a movie. That's why it's going to be a movie. And yet, we're getting a book which is weird kind of watered yeah. down versions which aren't the versions that were the ones that were going to be patterned off of for the movie in the first place so it's I will be curious to see if they frame this book towards yeah exactly how everything lines up because it does seem like clearly that's what they're going to pull from was the old Abnett and Lanning stuff so then does that just if, if, if uh, as much as Marvel likes to align their movies with their books if somebody comes to the store and picks this up it won't feel like those characters it remains those characters to be, are based it remains off to be seen yeah, there's, so, there's still a year away yeah, right so I mean who knows yeah yeah I'm also a little bit discouraged as much as obviously that's the team in the movie is the team in this book so does that mean if this team gains extra members Will it essentially lose said members by the time the movie comes out to make it parallel to the movie again? Or will this team um, just not gain any members for the next year while you wait for the movie to come out? Either option does not seem No, good I'm thinking they'll if, do their own thing. Because, I mean, although, I, wasn't there a do. rumor like last week that Angela is going to be in the movie? I heard the same rumor. I don't know how confirmed. It makes it like sense, though, because, I mean, why out, else so would they have been hyping up salt, uh, Angela's you know, entrance into the Marvel Universe? She's going to be in Age of Ultron 10. She's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, it would make sense why they were so, like, really pushing yeah. that. I mean, if you go back a couple of years, I mean, before Ultimate Spider-Man came out, the, the cartoon, you had uh, Nova show up in the... Uh, the eventual lead up to AVX it was the Marvel Point One issue where he crash lands and says, you know, it's coming, and uh, and that ended up being right. Sam Alexander, who's the Nova from the TV series. And before we even knew 
that that TV series had a different Nova, we are we had already technically been introduced to him. So it's not like it would be the first time they've done something kind of sneaky like that. Um, it sucks because Andrew's not a Marvel Universe character. And I don't want her in a movie. True, but I don't know. That's its own thing. I guess. Well, but there again, we know the Angela we had in Spawn. We don't know that. Obviously, that won't one to one translate to Marvel. So, what will they do to change that character? Maybe it is a character that we'll like in the movie. I, they, since they've shown literally none of her yet, and she can't be the same character exactly, it won't work. So, you know, I've never change her. And I've never read her anything with her. I never want to. I think she just so she always looked like a stupid '90s character. And even with her Joe Quesada redesign, she still looks like a dumb '90s character. Um, so what is what is she your does. overall yeah. uh, rating yeah. for this book? She can't get a wet dime, but okay. Uh, let's see. I, I went with six point five. Although I feel like I'm going to downgrade that to a, just a regular six. This was not a good week for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. I uh, I will. Well, these are this is my first run at doing true reviews, so my, some of mine may be a little less critical than they should be. But you know, hey, whatever. It's, it's how I felt when reading them, so we'll go with it. Um. I do plan to drop Fantastic Four and pick up Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm super pumped for the movie, and I will agree. I know there again, another thing we talked about off podcast is how Fantastic Four has just wandered, and it has not gotten to a point, and I've given it all the issues since the relaunch, and it still hasn't really made any good point. And I love the family, I love the characters, but it's just not going anywhere. So this, as one of the six or seven books I pick up monthly... Fantastic Four will be replaced by Guardians of the Galaxy going forward. So, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. It may change again later down okay. the road. Now, we right are now, running this, a little, a, little a lot longer over time than I originally anticipated. Uh, as as your segment your segment so far is about an hour and a half. Um, so, let's move on to Superman Unchained. This is number... Oh, I don't think I'm the right person to. Um, I didn't like this. This is... Uh, oh, good. Thank God. Um... That Snyder is such a good Batman. This book, I just I, is okay. So you see that first that first cover, and I think the problem is that it's called Superman. Um, because you you name a book first of all as a stupid name. Um, because uh, yes. it's called Superman: Man of Tomorrow, Superman: The Man of Steel, which would make sense because the Man of Steel movie just came out. Uh, so why not do a little bit of uh, you know, cross promotion? Instead, right. it's Unchained. It just makes it feel like we're going to be seeing Superman, you know, really doing things and really like you know letting loose because of the name. And then you have Jim Lee on artwork, who's obviously a fantastic artist. Who's kind of charge of the life kind of uh, uh, stories. Uh, I just I read this. It, it left me very cold. First of all, um, I don't think whoever does the uh, I guess the inking on Jim Lee did not seem to put the uh, the armor on a lot of the panels. It did not look like the Superman armor. I don't know if you noticed this, but like there's a lot of shots where. You can tell, like maybe in the the bottom where you have his like abs and stuff, it looks like they almost wanted it to be the uh, the, the ribbing of the uh, of the armor. Yep. And on his legs, you see the like the, the little creases. But then on the chest, there's nothing. It just looks like the the regular fabric. Um, it just threw me off because he didn't look like the Superman right. that was this league, um, which is a problem. Well, and you kind of have to figure, they put Snyder on this book and Lee on this book. Superman main title is doing nothing. It's just sitting in the dirt, falling apart. So they've got to have their hopes that they put Snyder and Lee on a book and that this is going to be the title Superman book. Um, and 
It's just thing was so generic. And I don't know about you, but is this an Incredible Hulk book? Um, I've got an angry military dad um, who's the father of my main character's love interest, essentially, with Lois Lane. Whether or not they're together in this at the moment, I don't know. But let's say Lois Lane. We know it's Superman's love interest. And Lois Lane's dad is a secret military general, and he's got this underground base, and he's making the secret project, and he's got unleashed on the world. Main Hulkish character running around country, kind of, who's in love with this kind of, you know, oblivious to the round her Lois Lane, who's, you know, in the middle of everything, can't see anything right in front of her face. And I've got a secret military dad again with plans no. underground. I, it's, it's a damn Hulk book. It's not Superman, in my opinion. I, I don't she doesn't know where her dad is, and she's like, oh, he, I talked to him earlier, and he's doing something else. No, he's in his own secret underground lair. Like, anyway, it just it didn't no, ring agree. real true um, to Superman. And the artwork today. wasn't even Jim Lee's best. Um, it's good. It's very and it's he's, Jim he's Lee. never it's quite been a storyteller, and I think that's Jim part of the best. problem, is that he is a great pinup artist. Um, he doesn't really do a great job at showing or doing yeah. storytelling. Like you, we were talking before when we talked about Batman, Greg Capullo's artwork. He was very clear what was going on. Um, you had a, a very good sense of of what was going on in the action of the story uh, because he lays it out in a certain way. He doesn't always do that. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to the Book of the Month Club episode where Nate tore apart some of Capullo's artwork, but. I did, I did, and I kind of grimaced because I I love Capullo's work, but he was not wrong. There, are but a few here it just felt just like you know he needed a storyteller, anyway, yeah. someone who could convey what he was writing, and I don't think that this was quite the right artist choice. I mean, and I, I think at the end of the day, like you needed a different writer than Snyder, especially for if it's called Superman Unchained. I think you wanted to have it be a little bit more of a a little bit more of a mindless book, and I think Snyder is too smart to be mindless. And uh, and you need yeah. to kind of write it like like a big action movie. Like that's why Jeff Loeb actually works as a as a as a complement to Jim Lee because he's able to set up these big set pieces and then he can really yeah. go to town. Jeff Johns wasn't the greatest um, match for uh, for Jim Lee, but he did understand that I got to give Jim Lee these big action movie moments in Justice League, and um, and, and that's what's going to help make the book work. I'm not going to be giving him a lot of these quieter character moments because they're not going to work the same as different artists. Uh, I just feel like Scott Snyder didn't know who he was working with in some ways. And what the hell was Lois Lane wearing? Like, this, this, I mean, it's not as bad I as, no but I don't clue. know if you read uh, All-Star Batman and Robin by Jim Lee and uh, Frank Miller. And there was, in the first issue there, there was like a four or five page uh, montage of Vicki Vale getting dressed. And her trying to decide what to wear and wearing skimpy clothes and half <laughs> of it just in like her bra and panties. And I'm like... Seriously, this is what Jim Lee's doing now. Like, ugh. Yeah, this this Lois Lane in this little pink mini mini skirt thing, or you know, one piece dress, whatever. This Lois Lane. I'm pretty sure she has line. movement she of like not three. Climbing build this little, uh, uh, in this little piece. Yeah, and the hills and not having that much movement <laughs> in the legs. Like, uh, yeah, she's not going anywhere. But where is she? Because apparently she's in the movie Minority Report. All right, I'm gonna hit on a few. That's exactly what I thought. She's in Minority Report. I've never seen yeah. a Daily Planet have this much technology. And seemingly... She's, she's in a building, but you're right. There's so many people walking behind building. her. I can't tell. On the top of... Is she in Grand Central Station? There's so many people. Yeah, where, where is she? And then Lois... 
Clark is looking out the window at the Daily Planet on the bottom left-hand panel there. So clearly it's it's alluding that she's in the Daily Planet. I don't but know. And plus the, the technology apparently. That Perry White must be doing a very good job. I thought print was dying. Apparently not if you're the Daily Planet. You have so much money. You can have experimental technology that makes Microsoft Surface technology look like garbage. They... They stole all of CNN's hologram yeah, projects and really uh, put them in for old paper ads, apparently. All right, so let's let's talk about actually two high points that we skipped completely. <laughs> I don't know. One, who, who is this poster for? Um, the poster, on one side, you don't even really get Superman. You get a whole bunch of debris and Superman flying through it. So no little kid is going to put a poster up on the wall of this huge satellite explosion. Nobody wants that. You look at the other side, and yeah, you've got Superman... But it's got all this text all yeah. over it. That's not a poster. That's a part of a comic. So who is, who's pulling this out and putting it on the wall? Neither side functions as just a good Superman poster. I don't know why both sides had to be part of the story. Just do it on one. And I guess that's why we're a four ninety nine cover price, because we have this poster that I don't think anybody wants. And since it is a part of the story, nobody wants to pull out and lose a part of the story that clearly things happen in. He goes from flying up there... To just like ripping through, I, some stuff happens. You have to have that piece. Uh, yeah, what the poster does isn't for anybody. It was me. an odd decision. It was an odd choice. It makes sense to try and capitalize on having one of the best artists in the business do a poster. Um, just make it a poster. Um, don't make it a part of the story. I mean, that's the simplest way of doing it. I remember yeah. um, back in nineteen ninety eight. I remember picking up Avengers number four, and I'm still so sad because I'm pretty sure I don't have it anymore. I have the issue, but they had a poster inside for the new team, and I remember I had it on my wall for years. I'm pretty sure I don't have it anymore, and it makes me sad that I don't, but it was at least it was a nice, it was a poster. You took it out of the issue, and you're done. Um, there should not be story elements on a detachable poster. It's the stupidest thing. Who wants to put that on their wall? Agreed. Uh, Agreed. You're, you're um, ruining some great artwork with needless text. Now, in the context of a regular issue, you're okay with that because you're like, well, I'm reading a comic book. Of course there's going to be some, some text. But if I want to have this on my wall, I don't want someone to be like coming into my house, looking at this this picture, and being like, what, what's all the bubbles for? What's going on? And I'm like, I don't even remember. That came out two years ago, and it was a pretty shitty story. And they're like, oh... Yeah, I think he was flying through space or saving yeah, somebody. I don't, I don't know. know. He's Superman. He was doing Superman. Yeah, things. I don't know. And, I don't and know. you're right. It's overpriced. Um, um, wait, why isn't this called Superman Man of Steel? I don't I get it. I apologize. It makes no sense. Yeah, shelf. I feel okay. like I owe you $5. No, no, you're totally... I'm, I'm glad I got to read it because now I know I can go... $5 for another Superman book that seemingly... I've got faith in Snyder. I, I like Jim Lee's art. I don't think it is a... If you just want more Superman, it's not a bad generic Superman book. Yeah, it's no, just it, it should have been the next Superman issue of Action Comics so after uh, Diggle and Tony Daniel are done. Like, it didn't need to be its own thing, but they need to keep yep. 52 titles on the shelves, and they can't keep making Batman books. No, they're gonna I know. keep trying. I it's think only Batman books selling, all the time. I'm surprised actually that they don't have more Batman books. Um, I did find Snyder's kind of... There's a quip in here at one point in time where... Uh, I find it right quick. I, I jotted it down in my notes, but I'm not sure exactly what page on. But I think we're talking to Jim. Um, and he says something about... Uh, he's talking about Batman. And uh, he says something about... Oh, there it is. Uh, have you seen the guns on that guy? 
his pads, uh, he pads his jacket, and Jimmy, so I just like the fact that Snyder kind of links every, he, it's just a little subtle homage, but Jimmy's talking about Bruce Wayne was staying out, and uh, stuff like that, and then you get, uh, you get Clark going, yeah, Bruce pads his jackets, he's not really that big, I found that little jab funny. I yeah, that I guess the, actually, I more appreciated the fact that Jimmy but, said, like, you know, he barely made it into the lobby before Wayne made him. Yeah, Wayne would make make you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, hey, once again, Snyder's great on Batman. It's just only and, and this I guess channel. I should at so, least point out that the, it does uh, take place firmly in current Superman continuity. He's not working at the planet. He left. Um, but it's not really addressed here. It's kind of in passing. And apparently... Uh, they took all the money from his salary and right. put it in technology. So uh, they must have been paying him a lot of money. I guess so. Well, even Jimmy's got this sweet little robot yeah. flying around. That's pretty cool. I want to get one of those. I never can get those little helicopters from the mall to work. Yeah, I don't so know I give this a this six. One, I will whatever. not be reading. I will not be reading the next issue. Well, I actually, no, I probably will because I'm a slave for punishment. But I'm not looking forward to it. My notes, the last thing I said is, can't say it compelled me to pick up number two. It, it just, it didn't. Um, there's a lot of other little nuance, but we'll skip. We'll skip a few things just for the sake of time. Um, I guess on, on closing notes on this, hey, great, another Superman-like villain for Superman to fight. That's not Bizarro or Cyborg Superman or... You know what, actually, Noel almost made me interested. Because I was gonna... villain. Great, okay, cool. But like, I guess there, like you know, uh, Flashpoint and Superman, he was like this this project and I'm kind of interested in, into where that's going to go it'll probably be relatively generic at least right now it could be something I'll, I'll take it for Superman because of that little chest um, and then and then the backup was a backup pretty pretty creepy pretty weird didn't care didn't care couldn't wait I'm out. glad it was what two but, three uh, pages that was two pages too much two, two pages well yeah three Ugh. one two two pages the backup interests me more than the story, I honestly. I don't know I don't what know. that says, but... Anyway, okay, so six yeah, and a half give it six. a six. So, so next up is uh, Venom. Did you know, like... Do we need to talk about this? Um, well, let's... Okay, we have Cullen Bond right. and uh, Roz doing the art on it. Um, I probably could have given this a four. Really? That's that's how little I liked this. If you differ in opinion, feel free to. Um, I thought this was pretty much I liked much it. Terrible. I didn't like it a lot. I think I gave a. Uh, let's check. I think I was going to give it a seven. I think part of it's that I'm. I like Flash a lot. Um, I haven't sold on this book all through. Um, I like that it was kind of like a. You got something going on in life. Um, it does feel like the book's a little bit rudderless, but at the same time, it makes sense because he's not really sure what, where his life is going. Um, the artwork is a, is very loose, um, to, to say the least. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. People wouldn't like it, and I can tell you probably were like, you know what? Thanks for uh, wasting my time. I'm good. Um, but I, I don't know. For me, it felt like a bit of a change of pace from other kind of books that are trying to take themselves too seriously. Like, I found this was a nice kind of, like, this is a guy dealing with some issues. Uh, there's a lot of things here I didn't like. I mean, I didn't like the Venom car. I thought that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Thank you. That was one of my key... Oh, I mean, it was pretty stupid, but I think that, that there was enough in this in this guy kind of dealing with issues in his past, etc., that I, I liked it enough. And the idea of him going up against bullies was kind of a new... Uh, there's still a lot of problems here, don't get me wrong. And Lord Ogre is one of the worst characters I've ever seen because he's so boring. Um, 
Let me point out one quick thing sure. about Lloyd, Lord Ogre, if you don't mind. Um, when he is introduced on the left-hand side of the page there, and his crew and his dog, and you see Lord Ogre say, so I'm wrong, see the L and the O. Go to the top of the next page. Where did his face tag go? Because you see his entire cheek, and there should be a big letter O right there. No, there isn't, there's right? There's no letter O. Ah, there's, there's some inconsistencies. How do, you, how do you forget to put his face tag on? Like, it's a key feature. I, it bugged me a hmm. little. That was a, that was a little point, but it bugged me. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't even notice or care because I found him so forgettable. Like, and but I'm okay with forgettable villains here because sometimes you need a forgettable villain to just have the the uh, the hero work some issues out. And I did, I did, I did something kind of funny about I, having a guy with a symbiote who's. I mean, I'm guessing it sounds kind of creepy coming out of a symbiote saying, "I've been peeing in your cornflakes, but you're still an ass." Like, I don't know, that, that cracked me up. I just let it when you say it. I like, okay. cringed at it when I read it in the book. I but it seems care. like something like a former um, reform bully I, might say something kind of like that. He's not cool. He is kind of out, out of the times. He's now a teacher. He's out of step. But he's a, kind of this angry guy. This kind of seems like something he'd say. And he's, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was okay with it. I let it go. Have you been Since reading the book? Started for a while now what what point did he go from secret agent venom to high school around issue 21 when did when did that happen did he just quit um, or actually it was before that what, what they, happened they, there I, I, they got rid of the secret agent stuff within the first year and a half uh, and then and then he was working with the secret avengers okay. so there was just still a little bit of that and him being kind of a superhero and now it's just him sure. basically just being a regular vigilante. I do admit the book is nowhere near as good as it was when Rick Remender was writing it. It's lost a lot of the personality that it used to have. Um, it's still a place to read a Flash Thompson story, so I'm okay with it on that. I, I'm, I'm giving it more leeway than I should, so I feel like it probably is more of a five, five and a half kind of book. But I'm allowing it a little bit more because of a soft spot I have for the character and the concept. And I... And I don't know. It, it, That's fair. This for me is not a book I have a high expectations for. I'm expecting to kind of have a fun little read, but I'm not really expecting it to, to really wow me. And so having lowered expectations sometimes allows this book to succeed better in my ratings. <laughs> well, and hey, I have the same soft spot for Guardians, even though it's not the Guardians I want. Um, so I can understand. I, I know my score is probably a little inflated for that. But I'm just I'm flipping through. I enjoy Flesh Tom as a character. I like the fact they made him a soldier, he lost his legs, now he's Venom. I have no problem with the genesis and the evolution of the character. I just, this issue just, I mean, I hate to be harsh, but this issue sucks in my opinion. You've got the first, you've got Monday through Saturday of him just kind of loitering around. I've got sentences like, what makes me special? And is this alien symbiote that's bonded to me like a souped up parasite? This is issue 36. Do you not know what this thing is yet? Like... How are you not a little bit more confident in yourself? And this guy that was in the army and that was a secret agent for the government, he like I know I know there's the little line uh, where he goes to get the ball or whatever, and his like venom symbiote reacts or whatever, and he's like, well that was that was unintentional. Still, no real harm done. How do you not have better control? Like, is this thing just wigging out and going c crazy on him? You're a secret agent. Like, how do you not control this thing a little bit better? And why would you? I don't. I don't like gym teacher Flash Thompson, maybe. I'm not sure how you go from war vet to secret agent to gym teacher. And maybe I just missed the evolution of the character in the book. But it was, it was a tough jump in for me. 
to see on one hand he's like sticking up for bullies and and then even when he goes back to being Venom, he's thinking too much about, he's, he's consumed with the little girl maybe having seen him. And he even comments on that, like, focus, Thompson, head in the game. I don't ever imagine Venom or Flash Thompson being that distracted by a girl, let alone having made the mistake in the first place. It just, I don't know, it, the story didn't, again, it didn't seem like the character I thought I should be reading. And then, of course, we get to the Venom car, and... It just looks something out of the math, the you know Jim Carrey movie. Like, what what is going here? Why does this thing, this car has teeth now? And and then even after him symbiote off the car, um, so you got the big page of the symbiote car coming in. Top of the next page, he's back as Venom, but the spider is still on the hood. But there's no Venom being on the hood. But there's but then you go down to the left side, and there's no spider symbol on the hood. And that's still there. And then you jump to the next page, and Venom gets shot point blank in the head to the point where it blows off everything above his lower jaw. And then he just reads his head with a bullet. I didn't see he realized his skull and move Flash down some. It, it just me. I didn't think some it's thought just didn't pulse like sonic waves. I didn't know they could be shot point blank in the head of the host and still be okay. But I guess after Cletus Cassidy comes back from the sun, <laughs> anything's possible. So yeah, no, the, I, I don't know. It's not a perfect book. Yeah. Um, I, don't know, I, I was able to let more things slide than you. And about you make some good points. I mean, it is kind of, you know, uh, they have been dealing with the, his ideas. Sorry, I'm not even speaking coherently at this point. Um, Colin Bunn is not the best writer for this book. I think Rick Remender understood more about... He was uh, emphasizing the weird aspects of having a symbiote bonded to and how unstable it would be. Bunn is not as adept at exploring that. However, there has been an ongoing theme that he's a man out of control. Uh, He doesn't always know where he ends, where the symbiote begins. He tries to he's trying to kind of find out more about who he is as a person so he removed himself from new york and he's you know trying to you know restart his life but still have this aspect of him that is a superhero and is and is going out as venom and he's still dealing with the elements of controlling that symbiote and not having it control him too much and there have been different things he's done with the secret avengers etc uh in terms of helping him control the symbiote so that it doesn't take over but always the symbiote has a little bit of extra control and sometimes he'll vamp out etc i think at one point he had a demon inside him which don't get me wrong was not a good idea um i heard about that yeah I so it, it is line. many different things um i don't know I, again i i just let it slide a little more and i don't know why <laughs> Uh, it's fair. We all we all have soft spots in our hearts for some characters. I love the Venom character, and I certainly don't mind the fact that they gave the suit to Flash. This issue just didn't blow me away uh, by, by any stretch of the imagination. When you get to the very last page, you see the kids in the van or whatever, and uh, he's like, this guy, but this guy, Lord Ogre, is a monster. Uh, and he looks and he's like, just like that, nothing simple anymore. You see the, the title in the very last page, simple, period. Just, I laughed <laughs> out loud at the fact that I, I said to myself, I couldn't agree more, Ellen. Simple. That's exactly how I would describe this issue. It doesn't it doesn't stand out to me in any way at, at all. And it just left me very bored. It didn't make me want to pick up or even mm-hmm. go back and read other issues. And I had at one point in time picked up the Remender trade, the first one, and almost walked out of the store with it because it looked really fun. And I still may go back and pick up those first few where Flash becomes Secret Agent Venom. But I, I have no interest in reading the book based off no, this issue. I don't. Alone. I don't blame you. I mean, this isn't again. This isn't the. This isn't the reason I go to the store. You know. This sure, is the uh, the thing that I, I I don't have the heart to to kill off because it's not whole, like it's. And it's still two ninety nine. Yeah, I'll give him credit for that. Pri- it's not yeah, if it was a higher price point, this would have died a long time ago. 
I'm actually surprised it's still being published, to be honest. Yeah, I can't imagine the readership is that big. I mean, I guess the name still carries it, but I, uh, and I don't Pepe know. Larraz, not a very good artist. Yeah, it's good enough for me to leave it. There was something else that was pretty solid, pretty good. I the action. Problem with the action. I had a much bigger problem with the writing than I did, even despite the, the, the few about the, mm. the art being off. I didn't mind the art nearly as much as I minded just the character himself and the writing what going I, What I did find story, upsetting but... is that there is, uh, uh, I think his name is Zaran and uh, uh, um, Batroc the Leaper, they get one panel. They're in the background. Yeah, I see ba- uh, Batroc there kind of. Yeah, with the, the like, and his mustache is bigger than ever. <laughs> That's that's why actually that's the way he looked in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon because they played up the size of his goggles and his mustache. It's just disappointing that we get you know Lord Ogre gets like to actually have spotlight, but Batroc and I think it's Zaran uh, are just stuck there, just getting yeah. their ass kicked in one panel, and that's all that matters. What kind of makes me chuckle is they are also beaten up on a Thursday night. Yeah, so paneling makes sense. So Batroc's not even getting beat up by him like Saturday. I'm like, sorry, he's not even out there with all the other folks. He's trying to pull. He's trying to pull a I'm sorry, is, Sa- is Saturday night, night really still- the prime night? <laughs> I think it is. I think Saturday night is the prime night for crime. It's okay. I, I can crime. imagine maybe if you're robbing nightclubs, but I feel like if you want heat on you, maybe you, maybe you go a different night because no one expects it on a Wednesday. <laughs> See, I'm thinking Saturday, though, there's a lot of people out. You've got to, you know, if you're going to pull some heists and, like, everybody's putting their money in the bank and... After a Friday paycheck, you got to go pull a you know big heist. Banks are closed on Saturday nights. It's a good time to go rob a bank, I guess. Not that yeah, seriously. That to anybody. You've just but. inspired some crime. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, Saturday nights there wouldn't be any civilians there to get hurt. Sign maybe. Um, yeah, poor Batra. Just yeah, enough's been said about All right. that. Poor Batra. So that, that so that that book wasn't a, wasn't a strong one. So. Um, I just want to quickly mention, so there's a bunch of books I didn't get a chance to talk about this week. Uh, I just want to see if you had any thoughts on any of them at all. Um, so they included, uh, let's see, Alpha, Big Time, number five, which I unfortunately did not get a chance to read. Uh, Batman, Little Gotham, number three. Uh, Constantine, number four. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Uh, Deadpool, number 11. Demon Knights, 21. Katana, number five. Mad Presents, Superman, number one. Marvel Universe Avengers Earth's Heroes, uh, number 15. Masters of the Universe or- Origin of Hordak, number 1. Smallville Season 11, number 14. Uh, Superboy 21. Got anything there? Yeah, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. I uh, The Superboy really bugged me. It was one of the pickups I had in my hand to maybe do for a quick review this week. I'm glad I didn't since you didn't either. But uh, the, the cover art... If anybody listens to this, that's all they're going to think I care about, apparently, because I think I mentioned it four or five times. But the cover art shows Crypto, Superboy and Crypto, and Crypto is it looks almost like a Siberian, like not a Siberian, a uh, like a saber-toothed cat almost, like long fangs, hair back, more cat-like in my opinion. You open to the first page, and he's like a husky. He's thick-haired and running through the snow, and not at all what is on the cover. I thought, oh hey, maybe a, a cool. Krypton-based crypto, like, you know, he's coming in, and we've got the movie coming out, and you see all the different kind of creatures on Krypton, and maybe they're maybe they're trying to kind of put a little bit of that lineage into it. Well, this would be neat. I'll flip through it, and you open it up, and it's it's nothing like that, and it just, I, 
it, it made me literally angry to where I just put the issue back on the shelf and thought, nope, just still terrible Superboy. So I, maybe the issue tells a great story. I don't know. I don't want to short sell it if there's Superboy fans out there. But that alone, as a reader who doesn't read Superboy, did not at all make me want to pick up the issue. So All right, then. Yeah. And then I guess the last two I didn't get a chance to talk about were Threshold number six, Ultimate Comics X Men number twenty seven, and I guess that's it. That was that was the week. I, I think it's the last issue of Demon Knights at twenty one, and I know it's the last issue of Threshold at six, and that was about six issues too many of Threshold. What a what a not what awful what an awful book. Awful <laughs> is a good word for it. It's, un, it's unfortunate. Um, if if I could right quick before we wrap everything up, um. I play, uh, or my local comic book shop is a, a place called Dr. Knows Comics and Games in, uh, in Marietta, Georgia. And uh, I was going to do a little, quick little plug, if you don't mind. Uh, on Wednesday, June the 19th, uh, from 5.30 to 7.30, we're going to have, uh, well, not we. Let me, let me make that very clear. I do not represent Dr. Knows. I do not work for them. None of my opinions reflect their opinions. So let's make that abundantly clear. I don't want any, any difficulties there. Um, but Robert Venditti, the new writer of Green Lantern, and uh, the writer is going to be there from uh, 5.30 to 7.30, and with him should be uh, Van Jensen, the other co-writer on Green Lantern Corps. So if you're in the Atlanta, you know, west side of Atlanta area, anybody wants to drop by and check that out, Wednesday, June 19th, from uh, 5.30 to 7.30, and we do Hero Clicks every Monday night at 6 p.m. Always use some uh, new friendly faces, so... Fear itself very going cool, strong. Very cool. Now, are you going to be attending the uh, Venditti uh, appearance? I hope so. Um, if nothing else, try and get him maybe to uh, you know sign my Green Lantern 21. Um, Green Lantern is a whole other story. We won't get into that. I wasn't blown away by 21, mostly because of Hal's characterization. But uh, but yeah, hopefully it's still good. Green Lantern is one of those books where I'm just kind of I'm, I'm going to buy it no matter what, unless it just goes straight through the gutter. And I don't think it's going to. I think it'll still carry. Um, obviously, Green Lantern Core I wasn't quite as blown away with, but since I own the book, I might get Van Chase yeah, to sign not, it right? all there. So, yeah, might as well, might as well. Who knows what it could turn into? By the way, I did look up Van Jensen earlier. He uh, the only thing that he's well known for, according to uh, the site I looked up, was the Tokyo uh, Empire Hunter or Slayer. I forget which one it was. Oh, here it is. It's coming right. Tokyo Vampire Slayer is his notable credits, and he did several. Uh, like volumes of that, so I don't think I think there's a strong reason we did not recognize his okay, name. Okay, well he's more of an indie guy. Some other stuff he did, but that's just what popped up first. Author of the series and uh, does I hope I got the right Van Jensen. I can't think there's too many different Van Jensen's in comic books, but uh, yeah, it says he's the author of Pinocchio Vampire Slayer. So, anywho, wrong. Forgive me, Annette. Yes, but, apologize to yeah. the internet. You have this to. They'll true. rip you apart. All right. Any uh, parting words? I'm I'm good to go. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, letting this run as long as it has. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, Excellent. come back. All right. Well, down thank you again. Uh, so this is AJ. Has been uh, our guest on the, this reviews episode. This is also our first time using Skype on the podcast. So hopefully, uh, it'll it worked out all right. Uh, obviously, I'm not a master of the edit, so we'll have to see how it ends up uh, looking when this episode eventually goes up later today, as we record this on June 17th. So uh, thanks again for joining us for Comic Shenanigans. This is, uh, I believe, episode... Oh my god, I forgot even what episode number we're on. I think it's 87. Uh, I should really know this since my since it's my podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us for the uh, reviews for the week of June 12th. It was episode 87, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. <laughs>